Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. All right, it's a Thursday. Thank you for joining us. Wake Up Call, as always, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. KB and Andy hanging out with you. Kevin Bowen returns, the prodigal son. And boy, we have a ton to talk about, tons to talk about today. One day closer, Colts and Texans on Saturday night. Pacers winners last night, big. What a fun night uh, in Gamebridge as the Pacers go to 4-1 against the Milwaukee Bucks this season and the Indiana Hoosiers look like uh, terrible uh, on the road in Nebraska. KB, welcome back. I hope Florida was well. Are you rested or as, as you can be with kids running around the condo? Are you rested? Are you ready to go? Because Saturday night it all comes down to Texans and Colts. Yeah, you know, a week ago this time, as great as it sounded, uh, let's go get a beer at noon. Um, after a week of that, I'm probably like, you know what? Uh, I think I'm very happy to be yeah, back you did, in the studio. You did studio. say to me, am I just going to drink a beer at noon every day and start my day? And you you, you said that as a bad thing. And in my mind, well, I was thinking, damn, that sounds really great right yeah, now. Yeah, it, it is great. But, you know, 34-year-old me, it kind of catches up to over time here. So uh, I'm a man of routine, <laughs> and I'm a man that uh, appreciates what we're going to get Saturday night. And, Andy, that's the biggest game inside of Lucas Oil Stadium in nine years. Yeah. And, honestly, that's yeah. kind of where my thought was. After Sunday afternoon, it's like, damn, I got to get back. I got to get back. You know, first off, <laughs> Pacers-Bucks last night. This is one we circled. Dude, that was a great game. About a month ago. I just love last night. And then, obviously, Saturday night and everything that is on the line. But, no, Florida was great. Um, well, nice good. to spend time with the family. Where were but... you nine years ago? The last Lucas Oil, the, the last big, big, big game in Lucas Oil. What was Kevin Bowen doing nine years ago? Yeah, I was, I was there. Um, so that would have been. Today is actually, I believe, the 10-year anniversary of Colts Chiefs playoff comeback. Okay. One of the more iconic games in NFL history. Obviously, T.Y. Hilton over the top there in that one. Uh, and then, well, it would have been Colts and Bengals, I think, was the wild card game. Marvin Lewis losing a 13th straight. Thank you, Mark, for the headset. Uh, 13th straight wild card game in that one. Um, and now here we have Saturday night. I mean, like, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's shocking to me that, you know, Colts Texans is here. You go from the Hail Mary last year and everything that transpired at the end of that game for Lovey Smith and Jeff Saturday to what we're going to get Saturday night. And really, I think the Colts are the superior team in so many areas. Besides quarterback, and it's going to be the age old does the rookie quarterback who I would make the argument CJ Stroud has probably played in bigger games than Gardner Minshew in his life. Uh, Boy, certainly, that's not a bad point. Yeah, he kind of you has look at last year in the college the, football semifinal, Ohio State. Yeah, sure. And what he did in that game against Georgia is that enough? Because if you look at the injury report, you look at the matchups, everything favors the Colts. Uh, a little surprised that the line has changed as much as it has over the week with now Houston being the favorite. So excited to get into that. Excited to talk Pacers uh, and Indiana Stinks.
Boy, Indiana's bad, aren't they? I don't know how much. I mean, there's so much feel good right now around the the city of Indianapolis. All the things that are going to be happening in the year 2024. You have the Colts and Texans. You have the Pacers playing the best basketball. I mean, at some point, we do have to carve like five minutes out how bad Indiana was last night. Just getting down, staying down, not making a run uh, in the second half. They they were bad, bad, bad. I know you want to talk a ton of Colts, and listen, I, I'm I'm spot on with you. You know, we reacted and we'll get to the Pacers as we go. Scott Agnes going to join us uh, at about 830 or so. Zach Kiefer going to join us from The Athletic in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll talk Colts and Texans. We'll talk NFL final week of the season. And everybody's basically resting, right? Whether you have Joe Flacco, uh, you have Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, uh, and it goes on and on. Uh, The AFC South still a lot to do. So you're going to see everybody there. Trevor Lawrence practicing yesterday. I know yesterday also KB, we talked about, hey, can they go win the AFC South? What are the chances here? A couple different people picking the Tennessee Titans to win that game. But the Pacers last night was just fun as hell, man. It was just, then really, Monday and then last night was just fun because you know Milwaukee thought they were going to hand it to the Pacers in at least one of those games. Did they not? And it did happen in either one of those games. The Pacers coming all the way back, taking the lead, getting down, coming back on Monday night. And then last night, I don't know. It, it felt like they were never good. It didn't feel like they were going to lose that game uh, for quite a while. I didn't feel that way uh, as they kept the Bucks. Uh, you know, I mean, they kept the Bucks at arm's length, if you will. Let me ask you this before we get into some basketball. Right now, what intrigues you about this game? Because you haven't been on the air. We've talked about it for two days. We'll get to the line later on. This went about one and a half on the Colts side to one and a half the other way uh, on the Texans side. But, I mean, if you're a Colts fan, if you're a Colts player, uh, Colts coach, you worked all year. It's been an up and down season. You've had a bunch of crap thrown at you. And in the end, here it is. 60 minutes. Go win a game. You're in the playoffs. And I see no reason that this team, if they made the playoffs, I'm not getting ahead of myself, can't go win a game. That's what I feel about this team. Yeah, again, I feel like if you look at virtually every positional group matchup, not quarterback, but every other one, I think the Colts have the advantage. And if you look at the injury report, and again, today's going to be the final practice of the week with this Saturday game like we had a few weeks ago with Pittsburgh when we come at you tomorrow morning we're going to be talking about whether Ryan Kelly's playing right what Houston's injury situation looks like to try to put it in simplest terms right now Andy with Houston and their injury report going into the final practice of the week these are the guys that have not practiced for them and I'll put it in Colts terms they haven't had Alec Pierce they haven't had Josh Downs and they're without DeForest Buckner, Dio Adengbo, <laughs> Quiddy Pay, and Samson Ebicon. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. They're number two and three wideouts and they're top four sack guys. So that is gold if you are the Colts. Now, do you expect a few of those guys to play? Probably, but still, that looks a lot different than just Ryan Kelly out for the Colts so far. Uh, and then I go back to Stroud. I mean, I, I think he's a stud, and the Colts have not sniffed anyone like him. In months, really. I mean, you probably have to go back to Trevor Lawrence. I thought Baker Mayfield's ankle injury on that opening drive of the game really kind of changed things for how he looked the rest of the way uh, back in that late November matchup. The Colts have just not, I mean, they haven't faced a starting quarterback since Baker. And then I think you probably go back to Lawrence or maybe Matthew Stafford even for what C.J. Stroud has done. And is that enough? Is Stroud enough with a, again, a little bit of a you know depleted offense around him to put them, uh, whatever, in contention late in this game. Can't wait to see what the environment is like. So those are the probably a couple of things that really, really 
stand out to me. I think you go back to that first matchup, Andy, and you absolutely dominated their offensive line that was really banged up. You controlled the line of scrimmage with your offensive line. Can you do that again? Right. Again, there are a lot of factors that went into that one we can get into a little bit more. That will be different some, you know, more than 100 days later with these two teams matching up. But, man, what I mean, what a moment. Again, biggest home game in nine years. I mean, what what an opportunity uh, sitting there, 8-15 Saturday night. Uh, I did want to throw this in there. Uh, Jason, one of our listeners, tweeted at me earlier in the week and goes, uh, you got to get T.Y. Hilton banging the anvil. <laughs> now, if you yeah, want to talk about... We've mentioned that on Fridays. Yeah, I'm good with that. Who, who he's in the, the area. Come on. Houston Texans. Yeah, he's in it the area. Been T.Y. Hilton there. Um, I did notice last night, I, I believe she did bring it down, but at one point... Uh, uh, the Tyrese Halliburton, a member of his family, I should say, threw out there uh, Bucks owner and a picture of Mr. Halliburton, <laughs> not John Halliburton, Tyrese, and a picture of him. I like that, uh, Andy. That it, got taken down. It, it did. It got back to that person. Hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna poke the bear anymore than we already bit, have. Though. Okay, uh, that's all that matters. You know, sometimes you put things up and then take them down, but they've already been up. Sure. So, so people have message seen it. Sent. Yeah. So the message is sent. You don't have to keep that up uh, for eternity. Just we- just twenty four hours. Just 10 hours. That's enough. I said this to you on Friday after the Bulls game. You know, video game numbers. Like, that's just what he does. Dude, the it's, last couple games have been so fun. They really night, have. Halliburton, 31 points, 12 assists, and zero turnovers. It's yeah, like, it's, I mean, it's every again. single night, it's like he does something that has not been done since Chris Paul, John Stockton, Magic Johnson, or one player's done this in NBA history. Right. Uh, it's it's absurd. And then to beat the Bucks in different ways. I mean, you brought up Monday. Rick Carlisle went back and listened to you and James with him on Tuesday. You know, Rick was like, hell no, was his answer when you guys brought up the, did you think you could win if you only hit five threes? Right. I mean, that's how you beat them Monday. Uh, oh, I thought they would have lost the game by 20 points. And then last night, yeah. it's kind of more of a shootout. But at the same time, Giannis only attempts 13 shots. It's a really small number for Giannis. Uh, considering what what he can do, just thoroughly impressed by the response from the Pacers. Really, since about mid December, five straight wins. You look at the Eastern Conference; it's needed with how jumble jumbled that conference is right now. And then, obviously, to slay a team that has absolutely dominated you over well, the last few years. Milwaukee can't really guard them. Out. They can't guard them. Kevin, they can't guard them. I, I mean, listen, they're going to finish with a better record. They're going to finish near at the top of the Eastern Conference. Well, the Bucks, they can't guard the Pacers. They don't want to see the Pacers. And after all the game ball stuff and everything which, else. Which is crazy to say. Sorry to interrupt, but that is crazy to say. But it's true, is it not? Considering how the Bucks and Pacers sure. has unfolded over the last handful of years. Oh, it's Andy, been domination. They've, they just run Indiana yeah. off the floor on a routine basis. And all of a sudden, that's, that, that switch is flipped this yeah. year. Uh, and I'm beyond impressed by how the Pacers continue to play against this team. And beat this yeah, team. you saw Brown back last night. He was in the starting lineup. We figured that would be the case. How you know with Nemhard out, not a not a long injury with that back. You saw him on the bench last night, but he was out. But uh, the Pacers, you know what I said even before last night's game, and it even echoes more. You know, we came in here on that Tuesday, December twenty sixth. You remember that Tuesday? Uh, that's when did we have Elijah? Sweet Elijah was producing that day, and he looked at Kevin Bowen. He said. He said, KB, you, you look tired, man. I remember that. And then we dove into. <laughs> Wanted to kick uh, him right in the Yes, you, know you did. Then we dove into, you know, that's before the Houston game. That's before the five-game winning streak. And at that point, they had two road matchups, and they were a 500 team. And it was, 
it was a I, I don't know the term of what Carlisle was with us, but that's when he, he gave was a us terse. Yeah, yeah, that terse. That's the word. He he gave us the oh you'll see soon that we're gonna make changes, and then they went to the new lineup. They rattled off four straight. Nemhard gets injured, so it has to be uh, altered a little bit. You see Brown go into the starting lineup. You've seen Toppin off the bench be better than starting. I, I think in a lot of ways, Carlisle said that to us on Tuesday. Matherin's been savvy. What, you're probably four games in a row now where you feel good about what Ben Matherin uh, has been doing, but they they steadied their season. They were in a spot where you're looking, you're saying, man, you got Milwaukee twice, you got the Knicks who are ahead of you as a playoff team, and then you have back-to-back road games, and, and heck, Chicago's beat you in GameBridge this year, and you're a 500 team. Things weren't looking great. On that Tuesday, and we sit here on this Thursday, and we're laughing at the Milwaukee Bucks. That's what we're doing. Well, think about this, too. I remember talking to somebody after the whole you know, game ball gate from several weeks ago, and they were like, man, as much as I love the Pacers having a little rivalry and having a little edge and however you want to describe what happened in Milwaukee on that night, they said to me, can we not do it to Giannis? <laughs> Could yeah. you do it to Trey Young? Yeah, pick on Julius Randle yeah, exactly. or somebody yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, could you? Can you do it against the Knicks? You know, somebody a little bit different <laughs> than you know that guy, right? And we circled January first. We circled January third on the calendar right after that night. How would the Pacers? How would the Bucks respond to what happened in Milwaukee a few weeks ago? And the Bucks, who just had the highest scoring month in the history of the NBA in the month of December. What happens? You go up there and beat them in a very unorthodox way Monday night. Again, more defense. You didn't hit a ton of threes. Oh, you got down big. Uh, yeah, you were down Twice. 15. Yeah. And then last night, uh, really, that I thought everything changed kind of into the first half, start of the third quarter, just full control the rest of the way. And that moment, late third quarter, I, I, I absolutely love the Damian Lillard, Benedict Matherin back oh, yeah. and forth. Oh, yeah. And again, I'm a Matherin guy. So part of me loves what he brings with a little bit of edge. But I think it's so damn important for this team to have some of that. And yeah, you got to back it up, which hell, the Pacers have. But to have just a little bit of that, we're not going to back down. And Lillard, I think, was almost taken aback by how much Matherin kept on going back at him. And, and they've went at Lillard, whether it be checking the the watch right, right. with Halliburton or really Benedict struggled. Matherin. He struggled, especially Monday night. He wasn't very good at all. And for Matherin then to come back down the floor and bang that yeah, three. And not get a three. Right after Kinda that. Kind of hold again, the pose for a second. That yeah. is walking after you did a little talking. And sure, there's a fine line with that. But this Pacers team, I think, has a pretty innate belief in them. And it, it, I think it comes from a variety of guys, but Matherin definitely brings some of that. And then again, Halliburton, uh, just an absolute video game night once again from him. So the Pacers, that is now five in a row for them. They will have the Hawks coming up tomorrow night, continue this five-game homestand before it is a back-to-back. And, and we're, we are in the month of all months for the Indiana Pacers with what January looks like. Uh, what, what did I miss when I was gone? Oh, goodness. Mark, what did you miss? Well, we have Corbin who's sitting over there. Corbin has the voice of God. So, Corbin, actually, go ahead and say hi to Kevin Bowen real quick. Go ahead and turn your mic on. Hello, Kevin. Listen to that voice. Corbin, that is beautiful. (laughs) Corbin and I have a little bit of a Jasper connection. I have heard Corbin's voice. Nice to finally meet him in person here, and he's going to be filling in for Mark tomorrow, correct? Well, you have a bigger connection than that. I go, hey, man, are you an IU fan? Because yesterday he told me I'm an Indiana everything. He goes, oh, he goes Andy, I'm an Indiana everything. So, you know, I was going to razz him a little bit. Ah, oh, your Hoosiers look good last night there uh, in Lincoln. He goes, I'm more I'm more of a Notre Dame guy. Let's and go. I go. And I go, okay, so there we go. Now, Notre Dame basketball was well, heartbreaking <laughs> last night. 
if we have to go down that path. Uh, we don't have to. Why don't you stick with your Virginia win? Just act like Virginia was the last thing that happened on the Notre Dame ledger. Can I sneak in one thing on IU? You can IU do whatever you want, sure. And Lincoln last night. I'm watching that game, and the lead's growing. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I not, like, shocked by this? Like, like this, Oh, I wasn't like, surprised at all. I've I been Nebraska. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is where Indiana basketball kind of is. Like, yeah. N- Nebraska up double figures for virtually the entire yeah. game, stretching the lead to whatever got second half, 15, they're, 20. Their guards eating you alive. Like, I'm yeah. like, yeah, this is kind of what I've expected from Indiana this season. And how disappointing and pathetic is that? I, I, I don't People get mad at me all the time, Sweeney, you're, you're too negative to Indiana. Who's your fans are going to have to figure out what they think is that the if, expectation? If, if they don't make the tournament this year, or if they do sneak in at the very back end, and it's a meaningless one-in-your-done playing game. The problem is, is what happened in the non-conference, those opportunities last night, again, they cannot be squandered. Right. That is a road quad, quad one, one win. win. Yep. That is a team that, on paper, you would consider to be a manageable opponent, however you want to describe that Nebraska team. And you aren't in the, oh, no, 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 you just wait a couple weeks and they'll get that one. Or, you know, yeah, down the road you'll get that one. It's a resume with the Big Ten not having as much upper echelon this year. I mean, you might as well just say, if you don't win the Purdue games, the resume is going to have just nothing of substance. Good luck winning those games this year. Away from home or whether it is, you know, quality of the opponent there. So, Indiana, I'd say pretty outclassed last night. In Lincoln. A good Thursday morning to you. Glad to be back. As Andy said, Scott Agnes coming up at 830. Uh, Zach Kiefer's latest up on the athletic is about the Colts and this turnaround from last year. Certainly Zach knows it very well. He's going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Thanks for spending this Thursday morning with us. It is the wake-up call. KB and Andy on 93.5107.5. The fan. All right, here's what you need to know. Your morning check down. Let's start with the Pacers, guys. 142-130 winners over the Bucks last night. 4-1 and one this season over Milwaukee. Unbelievable. Five straight now for the Pacers. 19-14 and 14 overall. Post-game Rick Carlisle on the unusual series with Milwaukee this season. In the history of this league, has never been a series like this one because there was no in-season tournament right. thrown in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, in a in a neutral venue with stage lighting, you know, it's just it's, it's so different out there. But Milwaukee's a great team. You know, we've, you know, we, we had some good fortune um, in the games. You know, it, it, they're hard games. They're all hard games. And we're just looking to get better. You know, we're just, we're just looking to get better. And we're trying to stay in the present, in the moment, and really support each other. It's the longest win streak of the season, five in a row for the Pacers. Again, another video game last night for Tyrese Halliburton. 31 points, 12 assists, zero turnovers. Bruce Brown, Benedict Matherin, Obi Toppin, Aaron Neesmith, just a few other Pacers that played great. I think their depth, Andy's really stood out from the win on Monday, the win last night as well. No Andrew Nemhard. Uh, just great. By the, yeah, by the seven Pacers. guys double figures last night. They have weathered the storm big time here. Coming up, it'll be the Hawks and then two in a row in the Celtics. And again, it is a brutal, brutal month of January here. Uh, the start of a five-game homestand last night for the Pacers. All right, Colts injury report. And again, uh, we'll dive into this a lot more probably tomorrow after the final practice of the week happens later today. But this is a good-looking injury report. The one to watch heading into this afternoon would be Ryan Kelly. He has missed the first two days of work. Uh, an ankle injury, if you recall, he actually got hurt in that Raiders game. Stayed in the game, but had some treatment. Um, you know, that's one of those things. You know, it flares up afterwards. 
I was worried about him. They showed How do him. You manage they, it? they showed him in the broadcast. I mean, he was he was hobbling pretty sure. good. And so we'll have to see that. You know, he's the most veteran guy on your roster. Could he still give it a go coming up on Saturday night? Uh, obviously, something to watch. The Texans are in a dire injury situation, really. At wideout, they have not had their number two and three guys this week. And their pass rush group, their defensive line, they're missing their top four sackers on this season so far. So a major injury watch down in Houston here for their final practice of the week. Uh, And last night, you did get a Pro Bowl announcement. Andy, I thought the two most deserving were Zaire Franklin and Michael Pittman Jr. They both fall on the alternate list, along with Ryan Kelly, along with DeForest Buckner. The one pro bowler is Quentin Nelson. The numbers, though, are pretty darn impressive for Nelson. That is six straight pro bowls to start his career. He is the first player in team history to ever achieve that. The fourth offensive lineman in NFL history to ever achieve that. Uh, Joe Thomas... Richmond Webb and Indy's own Zach Martin. Yeah, we we talked about this and we thought Nelson would be the one that would for, for sure get in. Uh, I I guess I'm a little surprised with Zaire. Maybe it's a, it's a busy position, but yeah. I've been clear. Both Franklin and Pittman, if they want, they will be in the Pro Bowl festivities right. that weekend. And, and I don't the alternates. I don't really care about to be honest with yeah, you. Just I understand. because that's how the game evolves. You know, for Pittman, you can look at Keenan Allen and look at Jamar Chase and realize, okay, they've had pretty darn good seasons and actually in in Keenan Allen's case a lot less games so I probably get that one the Franklin one makes no sense they went with both the Ravens inside linebackers and Roquan Smith and and Patrick Queen you know part of me was like do they make a ton more splash plays than Zaire and I don't really see that when I look at some of the numbers there Um, again it's a third fan vote third player vote third coach vote Uh, and I know a lot of people don't care about this stuff you know, I saw last night Buda Baker made it, got five hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, well, the players care. And incentives. There's yeah, a lot of incentives the, the players behind care. it. Well, they get the incentives. Like if Pittman makes it, he would get the incentive, right? It, yes. Okay, and that's again, what I'm saying. They, that's why he's like, yeah, go ahead and give me it's that. Still third yeah, coach and a I third understand. player. So two thirds of the vote right. is not fans. So uh, it, it is something that certainly matters to these guys. So again, Colts final practice of the week coming up later today. We'll talk a lot more about this matchup. Yeah, and again, Indiana disastrous last night at Nebraska, 86-70, your final there in Lincoln. Indiana falls to 10-4 and on the season. Foul trouble was an issue, down eight at halftime, never made that run in the second half. Postgame, Mike Woodson on the loss. Well, we basically gift them 27 points on turnovers. That was, I thought, the difference in the game tonight. I mean, and in our defense, we just, once we got behind, we just couldn't gain any ground, and, and we just kept turning it over, gifting them buckets and you can't do that on the road. I always make it clear when we go out on the road, man, you got to defend and rebound and not turn it over and get shots and we were totally opposite tonight. Yeah, it was a mess. They were outclassed at guards, like I said, foul trouble and Baco finally, you know, it was what, Big Ten Freshman of the Week, whatever, he finally uh, didn't score in double figures. He was in foul trouble, but luckily for Indiana, there is a positive here. You ready for this? No, oh boy. Their Where's next, your spin? Their, their next, Kurt Signetti's their, coaching the next game? <laughs> There, I wish. My man Sig, their next game against Ohio State is Saturday night at 8 o'clock. You don't, don't worry, Indiana. We won't be watching. We'll be watching the Colts, and we'll have the Pacers on. Don't worry, Hoosiers. We won't be watching you against Ohio State on Saturday. Am I wrong? Uh, no, no. You, you are not wrong. Again, I'm watching that last night. I'm like, 
This is unbelievable that I don't even know if you call Nebraska's guards varsity level. Nebraska's got JV guards and Indiana's got freshman guards. <laughs> it's a freshman team. And, and, and I'm talking the high school realm. Just well, to, Tominaga, just to be he was on fire, totally man. Do you, do you see Did that? they he, say his, his dad fa- was 6'11"? Okay, his dad's as tall as bleep. His family's there and his professor's there. I loved that. I and I love that for every basket, he was asking the crowd for more. He was. 28 points last night. Again, Indiana. I, I mean, I don't even know where to go. The positive would be they've hit a couple threes. Turnovers. The last nah, three yeah. games, they've hit threes. No. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, just, I, they never made, se- second half, they never made a run. Second half, KB, I'm like, you make a run, right? You make at least a run. You get it down to five. You get it down to six. You make Nebraska yeah, you call a timeout. To take a timeout. You, yeah. you Hoiberg's kid was you know hitting some shots. I, you, you do something and said they did nothing. Sam Hoiberg five points in twenty three minutes. Xavier Johnson made his return. Couple good moments, mostly bad from X. Uh, less than twenty minutes, I, I believe, Oof. on the final total for him. All right, on the other side, we will talk a lot of Colts and Texans. Looking back at that first matchup and why this is kind of like the Falcons week. And you know, when we started that Falcons week, it was, oh, yeah, Colts are favored by a couple here. And now all of a sudden, this has shifted. Uh, what does Vegas know? They clearly knew something in that Atlanta week. What do they know about Colts and Texans? Because injury report-wise, uh, there's no way you could look at it and say that it favors Houston right now with where things stand heading into this final practice of the week. We'll do that, and we'll continue to talk some Pacers as well. Good Thursday morning to you. Thank you for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Yeah, as always, thanks for joining us on this Thursday. Kevin's back in the saddle. Good to have him back. Well-rested from Florida. I'm a little envious. I love to be in Florida. I don't know 70, about the well-rested Yeah, 70-degree weather. Always uh, love that. Hey, My diet was rum and a beer at noon. And <laughs> Sounds great. Fried food. You know, you can do that here. You know, you're done with the cold <laughs> stuff. You might write better. I don't know. Hey, who am I to say? Who am I to say? Uh, just quickly, just a reminder. I know we've been running the promos, but if you're driving around, you're working Saturday night, uh, you, you know, during the day, you're looking to pregame, whatever it may be. A reminder uh, that, you know, JMV will get things started on both the fan and 97.1 Hank FM at 4.30, KB. I don't know if you even know this. We have the Pacers uh, as well that night. So at 4.30, uh, we'll have all the JMV stuff that's going to be on all sticks. And then at 6.30, the fan is going to break away to Pacers and Celtics. So right here, beginning at 6.30 on the fan, you're going to have Pacers, Celtics. We'll have the pregame. Game, the game, the post game, and everything else. When the post game with Eddie is done, well, the fan will then rejoin Hank FM uh, for the remainder of the game, the post game, and everything else. But the Colts, in totality, will be on uh, 97.1 Hank FM across the across the hallway from us here, Radio One. Go ahead. Little random. Okay. How many people do you think have both Colts and Pacers season tickets? I, you know, I don't know. There is overlap. I mean, there's no doubt there's overlap. Yeah. Thousand, two thousand? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's probably, probably yeah. not a bad number, but this I, is yeah, an easy about, one. Right. This is an easy Man, one, right? Yeah. Do you do the first half and then walk down well, Georgia Street? <laughs> no? It's not It's not a bad idea. Mark's shaking his head. I, I would not do that. I would be Biggest so... home game in nine yeah. years I'd at be, Lucas Oil I'd Stadium. I'd be zoned in. I would, be, I, would, I would have a fold-out chair, okay, that's big enough for my body. I'd be sitting at my buddy's tailgate or my tailgate. 
tailgate with a hot dog or a brat and a bunch of beers. Sorry to the sorry to the Pacers on that one. But I turned the Pacers on the radio. You can listen right here on the fan, right? <laughs> nice plug there. And by the way, that's a great game though on Saturday. I know. That's why I was it's saying. It's the Celtics. Know, this is you know, Pacers Jason Tatum. And, it's not Pacers Pistons. It's not. Coming by, up Saturday By the way, night. you missed it. The Pistons, the, the damn Raptors, they traded OG and Anobi and then they lost to the Pistons. That is one story that you missed when you were gone. How dare they Can't do say that? Can't I lost too much sleep. No, I, I don't think you did. Over that one. Uh, I want to ask you something. You brought this up. We were talking yesterday. You know, this has went from Colts were favored when the line came out. If you go to scoresandodds.com, uh, you know, if you, it, sh- it will show like line movements, right? How the, how the line is moved right. uh, and everything else. And this, you know, this did open up as a one and a half point favorite were the Colts. And then it flipped in the last couple days. It has flipped to Texans by a point. And a half. So there's been about a three point movement. We've seen this, by the way. I feel like with like four other Colts games where the line has been. I think Atlanta was one of them. Yeah, unfortunately, the really uh, where where you know, and, and a lot of people say, well, the sharps get they get their money in early. The people that do this bet a lot of money. They do this for a living. The general public doesn't get their twenty five, fifty dollar, ten dollar bet in until the day before or the morning of, right before the game. What do you think it is? Is it simply C.J. Stroud? Is there something else, too? Do you have a theory on why we've seen uh, quite the switch here in the last 48 hours or so? I don't. And, and, you know, I've laid out here in the first bit of the show, I I think the injury report could not look any different from what Indy's dealing with. You know, Indy's going to get Kenny Moore back. I mean, that was, I thought— It's a huge loss. I thought that was a notable one right before kickoff on Sunday. I'm thinking, boy, you know, if they get Devontae Adams in the slot, they get Jacoby Myers in the slot— how are the Colts going to be able to handle that? It looks, by all accounts, like Kenny Moore is going to be ready to go. Again, Ryan Kelly is the one in question, and I, I'll continue to say this today and tomorrow, Andy. If you look at Houston's injury report right now, heading into the final practice of the week, the the Colts' equivalents that have not practiced for them so far would be Alec Pierce, Josh Downs, DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, Samson Ebicom, and Quiddy Pay. I mean, that's a that is quite a notable list when you break it down. Like that, we'll obviously see how today plays out. I I do think C.J. Stroud is a damn good football player, and I do think that C.J. Stroud gives the Texans a legit, legit shot Saturday night. Um, the Colts have not, again, sniffed a quarterback to his level in quite some time. Uh, but having said that, I also think the Colts, on paper, have a lot of advantages in some really key areas. The Colts' defensive line has got to be a winner come Saturday night. Uh, if that group does not show up, then you're going to be on your couch come next weekend, period. Uh, I, I don't believe your secondary should have the amount of pressure um, that might appear to be on them. And by that, I mean this. Your pass rush needs to win. Your front needs to win. Houston's O-line is still a little banged up and just kind of an un, you know outside of Laramie Tunsil. It's not a very household name group by any means. Um, your secondary, the expectation is there. Of there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be moments, and you know I, I'm curious because I don't think Aiden O'Connell tested them vertically that much on Sunday. But like, do we see more of a Julian Blackman loss? The fact that Ronnie Harrison Jr. is this guy that's really been a linebacker for multiple months. Well, Chris Lamont's just him, playing. We ain't seen him in a year and a half. Right now, the good news is Lamont should be you know back to the bench with Kenny Moore in the lineup. But still, again, vertically, do we see Stroud? have pass protection to take some shots down the field. Because if you go back to week two, that is where the Colts won this game. As much as Anthony Richardson and getting off to the 14-0 start, if you remember, there was the critical strip fumble there on Houston's first drive of the game. 
The Colts go down and score. Yep. They're up 7-0. Houston takes over. And the first third down of the game, I think it was Ebukam and maybe Dayo Dangbo that combined on that. They get the strip sack, short field. That was actually when Richardson got hurt after that. And then you were playing from ahead the whole game. You sacked C.J. Stroud six times in that game. Uh, you hit him. I think it was like, I want to say it was like 16 hurries and nine hits against him. So if you could replicate something like that. Again, Houston's O-line, very banged up in that matchup. But still, if you can get something along those lines, then I think you should win this game. Uh, but to me, that is an absolute must because I'm not expecting your secondary to hang in there if you're going to let C.J. Stroud get four and five seconds to sit back there and try and pick you apart. Yeah, I think there's a number of things. By the way, just to give you the names that KB's been referring to on that injury report, all of these guys right now are questionable. Uh, Robert Woods, wide receiver. Noah Brown, wide receiver. Will Anderson Jr., who I want to get to here in a second, who who week one we were like, ah, you know, you know, he's such a high pick. What first overall, whatever it was. Uh, what's going on? You know, what, you know, not first overall, but their first pick. What's going on there? Will Anderson uh, has been great, you know, it, really the last month of the season especially he's been good Jonathan Grenard that's a guy I covered in Louisville went to Florida he's a good player Sheldon Rankins as well so uh, their big front which I want to get to and a couple wide receivers are the guys that we're going to be watching I think Colts fans know this and I don't know this is one thing that I don't know as of yet some fan bases and usually most of them KB they really care when their team is either disrespected or nobody's picking their team and I, you know I believe and I've already seen a little bit of it and you've seen it with the line you've seen it with the gambling line whether you're a gambler or not this has went from the Colts are favored to the Texans are now favored you know, three is is a nice chunk of a move if you will in Vegas I also looked the percentage of bets on Houston right now, 92% Whoa. of bets are coming down on the, Houston's, on the Houston's, uh, on the Texans, minus the number. 96% of the money is coming down on the Texans. And I believe when we get to Saturday and we're watching ESPN or we're reading ESPN, CBS, The Athletic, whatever it may be, I believe probably you look at those numbers 92 96 I believe 90% at least 9 out of 10 analysts uh, or gas bags on TV and radio who pick these games Kevin are going to pick the Texans to win I mean is, that is Is this all Stroud is there well, another I, area the, that I'm not paying enough I, I, it is Stroud enough attention it, to. it is Stroud it, it it's Stroud versus Minshew I think that that is what it is I think people haven't seen the Colts that, that's what I think it is as well I mean we have been following well, have the team the Texans having the Texans played every game at one well, o'clock on Sunday I, I mean you're not wrong and the Texans have some bad losses it's not like they have some good losses. Yeah, no one was watching the Texans in the in the Titans. You know that twenty six to three, whatever it was, debacle. The only thing I, I the the only thing I would throw out there is you mentioned their offensive line is different than week two. Is you know midway through the season that defensive line became better, right? Their run defense has went from bottom of the NFL, right. but, to, it, but to, is to it top, healthy enough? Yeah, well, to top six or seven, it, it's a great question, is it? I mean, if Sheldon Rankins, Jonathan Grenard, Will Anderson—that's the core of what they're trying to do to stop the run. So I would say stopping the run would be something that I would throw into the equation of why perhaps people are picking the Texans, and I say that not believing it because the average 
average guy isn't breaking down the run defense. No, it's the quarterback. It's C.J. Stroud. That's what it is. You get into Will Anderson again. For those unfamiliar, number three overall pick, the Texans made the big to trade Alabama. up to get you know him right after C.J. Stroud. He's had a really really nice rookie season, but he's been banged up here as of late. Last week, the dude played 12 snaps in the entire game. That is an incredibly small number, obviously. 12 snaps. He had two sacks and six pressures in 12 snaps. That is an insane ratio. <laughs> that so is insane. My question off of that is, and this is a little Shane Steichen chess matchy, do you throw on early downs, theoretically hoping that Will Anderson Jr. is not on the field as much on those early downs? I would assume, and I should probably look at this, I'm willing to guess that the Texans had him pretty exclusively on third down or you know maybe a couple red zone snaps, but primarily on third down. So the Shane Steichen look at that and say, hey, if we're going to have throwing success, we need to do it on the earlier downs when a guy like Will Anderson Jr. is not on the field to where he can That's a good point, yeah. disrupt the uh, disrupt the game. The other thing I was thinking about and I do go back to last January, so I am going a full calendar back. But you think back to the NFC title game last year and you think back to week 2. Does Shane Steichen have D'Amico Ryan's number? I had not thought of that. 31 or, points. How much do we find out on that on Saturday? So so you're, you're throwing it in saying, hey, thus far, Steichen's had his number. That needs to be part of the conversation is what you're saying. Small sample size. True. Ingredients very different yeah. from last J- January. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, yeah. But again, I mean, sure, you know, Ryan's Smith. had sure. a lot of ingredients uh, with yes, the 49ers. Uh, I believe 31. That's what the Eagles scored against San Francisco in that NFC title game. You go back to week two, whether it was Richardson or Minshew, you pretty much did what you wanted offensively. And again, this is a offensive play caller against a defensive play caller. You know, obviously the two head coaches, we bring up kind of that weird angle to this cold season. We saw it play out again on Sunday. They lose to the offensive head coaches. They beat the defensive head coaches. I guess that's a good sign for facing D'Amico Ryans on Saturday night. But that's just a thought that I've had. Again, the sample size is only two games, but 31 points is a big number to score in the NFL, especially against uh, D'Amico Ryans. And for the Eagles to have done that is one thing, but then for the Colts to have done that with two different quarterbacks, two different QBs during the game, it's something I think I feel it's worth pointing out of, is there a substantial advantage that Shane Steichen has over D'Amico Ryans in that individual offensive play caller, defensive play caller chess match? We'll get to the Pacers here in a second. I want to add something to that, though. This is, and it's unfortunately, uh, it's unfortunate, I should say, that AR is not playing, okay? And we understand the injury and everything else. This is, even again, even with him not playing, KB, and you bring this up and I love it. This is chapter one of these two teams facing off against each other. In other words, there there is potentially an ascension here, is there not, of two teams who were laughing stocks last year, who brought in the right people, who brought in the right head coach, who brought in the quarterback, and for the Texans, they know they got the right quarterback. Uh, there is a good feeling that the Colts did, but they don't have the empirical data, right, because Richardson's been injured. But even with AR out, this is you know, pretty much the first chapter here of the new AFC South, perhaps, For sure. of, of yeah. these two right. teams. And if you told me these two teams and not the Jacksonville Jaguars, listen, I'm down on the Jags. I, I know I've said it. Their defense has been disgraceful. Um, 
I, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence is nice, but if you told me C.J. Stroud was viewed as a better player, Richardson in a couple years was viewed maybe as a better player than Lawrence, I, I don't think that's a hot take. Maybe a year or two ago it was going into this season. Uh, maybe it was. I don't think that's the case. This is kind of chapter one of Ryan's v. Steichen. Colts v Texans because I see these teams as fighting for the South and or a playoff spot every single year. Do, do you not? Oh. I mean, I, I mean, I do. And, you know, it starts out. We had the game earlier in the year where we still we didn't think anyone was good. We didn't know if CJ Stroud was good and AR was knocked out of the game and everything else. So you almost, I don't say throw that game away, but I'm moving it to the side. You know, chapter one, it starts on Saturday and it's for, hey, who's going to go to the playoffs? Who's going to go from a laughing stock in the NFL to making the playoffs and having a chance to, you know, play at Kansas City and potentially win that game. Mark, what was my AFC South analogy for years? Yeah, put those games on true TV. The the (laughs) AFC South belonged on true TV. You're scrambling the first day of the tournament. Wait a minute, we're on true TV? What the hell is that? Is that where Virginia lost to the 16? Did they lose on true TV? I don't know. A couple years ago. And now all of a sudden, what is it? It's Buck and Aikman Saturday night, right? And yep. this is uh, Buck this Aikman, is little Lisa Salters yeah, down on the sideline. Yeah, this is ABC. This is you know again. Houston hasn't had a primetime game. The Colts, what their one standalone was, I guess they did have that Steelers game and the, and the game in Germany. But that's it. Uh, this is the expectation I think moving forward. And and you know I, I, you can you know whatever discredit Lawrence, discredit Jacksonville. They still are going to be somewhat there moving forward. Oh, there's no I think doubt. The Christian sure. Kirk injury has been a huge deal. Sure. for them. And obviously we'll see how Tennessee plays out. Um, down the road, but yeah, I mean, this is a this is a total reshape of this division, and that's why there's an element of this, Andy. Big picture, this season has been a success for the Colts. Shane Steichen gives you that thought, putting the Anthony Richardson conversation to the side. Shane Steichen certainly has achieved that, but I think back to the Colts in 2015 when they kind of went all chips in with Andre Johnson, Frank Gore, et cetera, et cetera. They don't make the playoffs, right? 2016, you're thinking, ah, 2015 was the anomaly. We'll get it right in this year. You don't make the playoffs. Go back to 2021. You're on this incredible high after beating New England in mid-December. Uh, you think it's a lock to make the playoffs. Wentz has shown some moments of resurrection. Taylor's arguably the best player in the NFL. You don't make the playoffs. Like, these opportunities, they don't grow on trees. Total agreement. You would like to think that they will be there, but the division's going to get better. The schedule's going to get tougher. You're not going to go through a stretch necessarily where it's been over a month since you faced a starting quarterback. You know, those sorts of things that have played into your favor for this season. So, uh, yes, it's uh, It's probably premature to say it's a golden era for the AFC South, but it is a far cry. It could from be. Where, I mean, this time last year, I was like, wait, do they have to show Colson Texas on CBS? <laughs> and Vrabel stays in Tennessee, you know, doesn't go to New England or, you know, doesn't leave or anything like that. You know, the Titans will be, res- they'll be back to being respectable, at least, you would imagine. A wild note on the Texans, by the way. That, again, I'm trying to make sense of why are they favored? Like, what has changed in this flip? I had to look this up several times. The Houston Texans walk into Sunday. Now, again, this team won four games last year. Four games, the Houston Texans. They walk into Lucas Oil Stadium. They've won seven straight road games in the division. Seven. They won four games last year, and all three of them were on the road in the division. Boy, that's a good stat. So is that the reason? That might be the reason. I you feel know, like you tr- sandbagged me all the way to seven fifty-five. That I'm might be the reason. I would have led with I, that. I, that I'm was tra- C.J. Stroud trying to yeah, make you're sense right. of it. Now, obviously, huh. if Davis Mills and whoever the hell, I mean, <laughs> Davis I, I, Mills had that long neck like Mike Glennon. Who was had. the coach? Was it David Culley that probably had one oh, of these road yeah, divisional it was wins? Was David Culley? Obviously, Lovey. I, I, 
It's an interesting note. I, I don't know how much it matters because, again, Stroud, it's not like the Stroud-Ryan's dynamic was there. Now, they won in Jacksonville this year. They obviously won in Tennessee, but uh, that is an interesting note, uh, I think, for Saturday night. All right, we'll continue that Colts conversation again. Coming up, Zach Kiefer. He's got a great read on The Athletic and looking back on where these two franchises, specifically the Colts, were last year uh, and what that does. Now, this season, by the way, we will get into some tie playoff scenario. Some people have asked, and I bring this up, Andy, these two teams tied last year. I know. And they easily could have tied in the season we, finale. We, we James Boyd, he's like, man, I don't want to deal with that. I'm like, it may happen. It, it happen. may happen. It happened so last will, year as we well. We will explain that as well, but a lot of Pacers talk and a little bit of Indiana from an ugly one in Lincoln last night. We'll do that coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Andy Sweeney. Corbin on the ones and twos with Mark Dykton's watchful eye. You're listening to Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. All right, Thursday, 8 o'clock hour, live from the drivehuber.com studios. KB and Andy hanging out with you. Uh, Corbin's here. He's new. He's not new. Corbin, what's your last name? Uh, me and KB both don't know. Do you know his last name? I, I don't, uh, Lingenfelter? I, correct. Oh, wow. Look at that memory. He's done some overnights. Yeah, I know he has. So, okay, yeah. well, there you go. Uh-huh. Uh, I want you to think because tomorrow I want him to do something with his beautiful voice. Like, I don't know if it's. You think a, he's been asked to do I, that before? I think he has. I think he has, but not with me because I just met him yesterday. So, <laughs> and maybe, we're going to need a pick, Corbin. Maybe, we're gonna need a, that's we're what I told Colts him. Now, 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 your son, Max, has he, has he made his pick yet? Has he not made his pick? Max Bowen has yeah, not made he, his Max pick Max Bowen yet. has not made the pick. He's he's picked, what, eight in a row, correct? He has gotten eight in a row. Um, <laughs> I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think we've had three different gambling companies located was, in Vegas reach about, out to I, him. I was about to say, you should have just bet the money line, and he could have paid for the vacation you just went on. The line has changed once Max made his pick, <laughs> I think right. was what some people are a bit worried about. Yeah, the young lad, 16, uh, 16 months, well, 15 months, whatever he is. Uh, eight straight games he's gotten. Correct. Okay, I just uh, listen. I, I was told a member of the Colts reached out to me and goes, "If Max picks the Colts, he can bang the Anvil Saturday night." Oh my God! Yeah. So I mean, should I try and? I, I mean, I think you should follow up. Were they were they joking on that or or I, what? I don't know. For him, move out of the way, T. Y. Hilton or right. whoever, exactly. whichever luminary ends uh-huh. up doing those things. I think for him to do that, he would need some sort of. Uh, <laughs> Trying to think here, probably like raspberries, a bear. He really likes Rosie's Barbie. <laughs> oh, does he? Okay. Uh, balls, any balls located okay. on the anvil? I think a if soccer you did that, ball. Okay. You would get a nice thunderous anvil from young. Uh, so we'll dive back into the Colts here in about ten minutes. Obviously, winning you're in. We've been talking about it all morning. Just quickly, Pacers and IU. IU disastrous last night. We'll dive into that here in a second. Uh, just two things, uh, and then I want to ask you a question as it pertains to the Pacers. I, I said to open the show. I love last night because you know the Bucks had to think Monday that they were going to beat the Pacers. They got up, what, 15? You know they had to think, hey, we're going to bury this team. It's the first game after the game ball fiasco, the shaking of hands, the beef near the locker room uh, where uh, what Chad Buchanan got elbowed. I mean, we forgot about that a couple weeks ago. And so they were supposed to win that game. The Pacers come back. They win that game in Milwaukee. And it's funny. And we talked about it here on the show. And then 
And then last night, you're thinking, okay, you know, finally it'll catch up with the Pacers. They'll end up being 3-2 and two against the Bucks, and ah, it'll be fine. Not so fast. I, I mean, I thought, including that 47-point third quarter, the Pacers were just, at least at least the second half, just the better team. Uh, and I never thought they were going to lose. And much like Indiana, you know, the Bucks never really made that run to cut it to like three, where Carlisle's calling a couple timeouts, and it's like panic mode in GameBridge. So the Pacers win. I mean, and for you, you haven't got to talk about this on air. You know, even before last night, Nemhart being injured, you know, they switched things up and it worked. Sometimes that's window dressing. And then sometimes the play on the floor, it's tangible. You can see it. And Halliburton was fantastic last night. And the Pacers keep winning. Uh, and now you got an opportunity. The Hawks coming into town. Uh, and then obviously the Boston Celtics, a couple games against them. But uh, you have to love a week, a week, you know, what, eight, nine days ago, Things didn't look great for the Pacers. Five straight, 19 and 14 on the season. They needed to steady their season, and to me, they've done that and more. You know, Rick Carlisle, I thought, said something interesting to you guys earlier in the week in that if you go back to that Clippers game, giving up 150 in that game, uh, they had their first kind of real practice in a while after that game. You know, lineup change didn't occur right away, but we saw it a little bit later. Um, I think he said to you guys they were 13th in defense, if you go back to that point, so several weeks Again, we, we've talked about it so much this season. You just can't be 30th in defense. You know, Go be 23rd. Go be 22nd. And if you look at Monday night, when you only hit five threes, and if you were going to say to anyone out there, hey, the Pacers playing the Bucks tonight, they're going to hit five three-pointers, you'd say... In a revenge-type game, too. You would say, kinda. okay, how much did they lose yeah, by? No, 20, 20 or 27? Exactly. No, they win that game. And then last night, I thought the key statistic was not only... You know, you got great balance, and that stands out to you. Obviously, Halliburton, again, another video game night. But Giannis only attempted 13 shots. That's a really small number for him. It's one of the smallest of the year in a non-kind of blowout game. And it was interesting watching that game, Andy. I don't know if you picked up on this. It was probably the first time this season I could audibly pick up the bench, and this was not just the coaching staff. The coaching staff and players yelling out, routinely every time Giannis got the ball you know load up like like get ready for a drive right get ready to help force him to make a pass and initiate from you know well outside the paint you don't want him to get to two feet down the, in front of the rim you've collapsed on him and now he's kicking out to a shooter or whatever Lopez is coming in for a dunk something like that and I thought they were brilliant in that area, because still, personnel-wise, you don't have the one defender that can limit him. It's got to be a group-group effort. And the fact that you won four of five against the Bucks this season, Giannis has played in all of them. Lillard only missed, what, one of them? You know, Middleton was on the floor last night with a back-to-back when when he was questionable entering the game. You've played them pretty much at full strength right. for no, them. No, you had. There's no excuse and, and to it. beating them in different ways. This is a team that has absolutely punked you over the past few years, and now you've done the reverse. And you even poked the bear. And when you poke the bear, there are a lot of times where Lance Stevenson would poke LeBron, and while we all would laugh and giggle and <laughs> yeah. clap at LeBron it. LeBron would have 45 at points. At the time, yeah. LeBron would often get the last laugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Pacers poked, and now they're getting the last laugh You know, here in the month of January. Um, I also think one note, too. If you look at the Eastern Conference right now, one game separates... Miami at the four, which is the final, you know, home series for a playoff team, all the way down to the nine seed, which is or the eight seed, which is the play-in. The Pacers are in that mix. So you've got one game 
deciding four to play in. One game says you get home court in round one. One game says you're in the play-in. It's a that big difference. is a very, yeah. very small gap. That's why every game matters. As we approach the midway point of the season. So I know it's just January, and it might be a little premature to look at standings, but yes, Andy, every game does matter. And right now the Pacers have won five in a row. It's a brutal month coming up. In just a variety of ways, they've beaten one of the best teams in the NBA. Is damn impressive. You know, in college football especially, a little bit in the NFL, but in college football, you lose a game. And you know this as a Notre Dame fan, right? You oh, lose, life, Yeah, you lose a game. Over. You guys lost that Louisville game and they stormed the, the field and everything else and you're sitting around land. You know, now now what's the season about, right? Now, now you're looking at everyone else. Well, it, can Georgia lose two games? Could Alabama lose two games? You're starting to do those mental gymnastics. And while in college and the NFL – one game means so much, and sometimes the, sometimes that's bothersome, right? So, sometimes it's like, okay, how can one game mean this much? I, I, hate, I find it to be lazy analysis, whether it be Major League Baseball or the NBA. They, well, it's just a game in December in the NBA. Well, it's just it's game 41 in Major League Baseball. And then you come down to the very end and you say what you say, that you're either in the playoff game or you're hosting or you're hosting uh, a, a playoff and you go back to some of these games and you're like, well, damn, if we'd won this game in, uh, you know, if you're an NBA, if you would on this game in December, November, a couple games in January that we gave away. To, to me, um, I understand that we get down and we start to watch these games down towards the end of a season, and it's put out there that these are now the important games. September, now oh, it's September baseball. But I'm like, yo, these games matter. Uh, not just Milwaukee. I mean, what they do against Atlanta, who has not been a playoff team, who is now would be in uh, at the very end of things. What they do against Atlanta coming up on Friday night, uh, that matters. And there is something there is something satisfying if you are a Pacer fan that and you may feel this with the Colts if they could win on Saturday and make some noise in the postseason you are in the heads of the Milwaukee Bucks and I like you are right? right I mean I mean they they react to you differently than other teams and the flip of that was just there like it used to be it, Milwaukee it just you. happened yeah it just happened and so like I don't know what that matters. I don't know if you meet him in the postseason, if the switch would flip back, or yeah. if it would be a seven-game series, whatever. I mean, that's that's so many months away. But it is interesting that, and I don't know if it happens to other teams. I don't know if the Pacers match up with other teams. Uh, you know, you know, Boston's had some success against them. They beat Boston also this year. So maybe Boston's a bad example. Who else can the Pacers kind of get in the the heads of? That that is because well, they are absolutely there with this team. And, and, and you know what? Andy, I also think it's just a self-belief. It's just that if you get to when you get to April and all of a sudden the final timeout occurs with three minutes to go in the game, you don't look at each other in the huddle and say, guys, how the hell are we going to win this? I mean, last night, again, and I make a lot of bad Notre Dame basketball analogies, I'm watching Notre Dame basketball try to close out a game they were in full control of the whole way. And Andy, it is two turnovers on on a full court press. It's missing two front ends of of the one and one. All the things the bad teams it's horrible do. Deep. I mean, it's yeah. just wilting, and you're just <laughs> praying to get to triple zeros. And now you look at the Pacers, and it's like, no, no, no. They make the winning plays. Right. They're the ones that have done it on both ends of the floor, not just offensively. There was a moment last night where it had kind of gotten a little shaky. May I don't know. Maybe Lillard had hit a three to cut it to ten, and you know, it's one of those where. Uh, is Carlisle going to take a timeout? Is he not? Halliburton comes down and hits a four-point play. 
I mean, like, <laughs> it, it just, boom, all of a sudden the Pacers are back in full control. So, again, yes, you are in their heads, but I think more than anything, because obviously Milwaukee's just one team, but if you face Philly, if you face Boston, you're going to sit there in a huddle and be like, guys, we won in Philly earlier this year with Embiid, with Maxi. Guys, we beat Boston in the quarterfinal of an in-season tournament game and made the plays late in that one. So I think that to me is more than anything of like, all right, yes, it's a franchise that hasn't won a playoff game in six years, hasn't won a playoff series in nine years. Those are alarming numbers. But what in the regular season can you point to to where if you get, when you get into late game situations come April and potentially May, do you have belief? And I think this Pacers team, while the record is still just kind of, all right, seven seed or something like that. Right. Of the 19 wins, you've beaten some really quality teams that I think gives you some self-belief when it really matters. We'll get to the Colts here in a second. Reminder, more Pacer talk. Scott Agnes going to join us at about 8.30. Uh, you want to do two minutes on IU here? <laughs> Do we, do we have, have to? Do we have to do IU basketball? I, 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 Should I we have echo, Corbin make the decision for us? Do we do IU basketball? I'll echo what I said to lead off the show. <laughs> I'm watching that game <laughs> and watching Nebraska's lead, you know, steadily be in kind of the double figure range. And I'm like, man, this is not too surprising to me. Like this is this is just kind of my new expectation with Indiana basketball. Um, their guards are going to get thoroughly outplayed, which they did again last night. Uh, and when you play a whatever you want to describe Nebraska, maybe they're a middle of the pack Big Ten team. Maybe they are. It's Nebraska basketball, right? Yeah. The fact it's okay. that this is where you are at right now. Just look at the finances of what you know Indiana spends on their program versus what what Nebraska spends, and this is where you're at right now. Of in my opinion, the expectation for me watching that game last night was, oh yeah, Indiana's down double figures on the road in Nebraska. Yeah, that's not too shocking to me. Yeah, their talent level was higher last year, and I believed, hey, they're going to go in and they're going to win some games. They can beat Purdue. They did twice. They can do this. They can do that. And this year, I, I don't feel well, that and, way. And now I, you I don't get feel it, that way at all. Now you get into Big Ten play, and I know Cleo Ware was much better, I think, in the second half last night. The Ware renew advantage, Andy, it's not as dominant as it was in the non-con. And, and honestly, if you look at Ware's numbers when he faced Kansas, when he faced UConn, when he faced Auburn, some of the bigger teams in the non-conference, the numbers were much more pedestrian for him. So what I'm getting at is you can't ride Ware and, and renew and think that in Big Ten play. Right, this is not Army. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's not, it's Kennesaw not State. mid-major right. size, and obviously your guards... You're at a disadvantage, frankly, every night. Every game. Yep. With where you're at right now. And unless Xavier Johnson has a total resurgence to where he was at to end that 2022 season, it's an Indiana team that's not going to make the tournament. Quickly, here's Mike Woodson on the guards. Lack of production, not a good night for his guards. No, our big slayed well, man, but we got nothing from our perimeter play. You know what I mean? Xavier, I know he's been rusty, hadn't played 14 minutes, didn't give us much at all. Uh, Galloway didn't give us anything until late when it was too late, you know, and, and and McKenzie didn't give us a whole lot. So, I mean, I look at their perimeter play, that's where the difference was made up in terms of us winning and losing this game. Yeah. Their perimeter play out, played our perimeter guys. And, and I guess, you know, we've we've said this all year. Nebraska's if, perimeter I, is outplaying Indiana's and it's perimeter. Not, it's not close. I mean, Williams had 15. Tamanaga had 28. He had the big game. Hit, uh, what, four three-pointers in the game. The Lawrence, had, Lawrence had like 12 Sandy and 5. Standing ovation in the uh, dining hall for him this morning. <laughs> I, just, I just, we can say 
And I think it's you know, like it's like like Indiana fans hanging on a cliff here. We can say, well, wait until Xavier Johnson and then fill in the blank, right? Xavier Johnson dot dot dot. But I think Indiana fans know he might be enough to raise their level to where they can do just enough, perhaps to even get in. But Xavier, but that's as much as Xavier Johnson is going to do. I saw Zach Osterman had a piece like, hey, this is you know Mike Woodson is going to have to have his best coaching performance to get this team to the tournament. I, I would disagree with that. I would say half of coaching is the, the roster that you assemble. Oh, that question. you assemble. Yeah, yeah. Not a general uh-huh. manager that you assemble. Yeah. Half the battle has yeah, been it's lost. It's about putting the puzzle Indiana. pieces together or finding the puzzle pieces and then putting them because together. Because I, you know, I did this you know, I followed John Calipari. He was the other way. People say, you know, Cal can't coach but he can always assemble a team. So he would at least do 50%. Mike Woodson you're looking, he hasn't assembled the team. Uh, at least at guard, he has not assembled the team. Malik gets in, you know, Renew gets in foul trouble and Baco he takes a step back. He's in foul trouble. You're, you know, you're having to play Anthony Leal 12 minutes last night. I know when Leal's I, I, I getting in over CJ Gunn. You know, CJ Gunn was a guy that, that you wanted it, to get in the game. Indiana fans are going to have to come forward. to what? What are we? If we don't make this the, the tournament, and I would say you're about the same. Even if you do make it, and you're a quick fizzling out, which you would be, I don't even know what the step is here with Indiana, with Mike Woodson. I don't know what the take is to have, to be overly negative. You put him in on the hot seat year four, or you're saying, hey, go recruit. It's just a down year. It's the year after TJD and that and that crew left. I, I don't, I'm scrambling to find out, other than it's simply unacceptable, kind of what the avenue is for Indiana fans to be frustrated at what they've been seeing. I, I don't know. State Saturday night at Rutgers, Minnesota at home a week from Friday, and then you have three straight ranked games. That'll be Purdue mm. on the road at the Kohl Center. We know the history in that building. And then at Illinois, which obviously the Terrence Shannon situation uh, has created a much different looking Illinois team here in Big Ten play. But right there, Andy, um, you know, in two, three weeks, you're going to have three ranked opponents, and then you only have Purdue and Wisconsin the rest of the year as the second matchups. Those are your only ranked games. So it kind of goes back to a point I was wanting to make earlier in the show. Road games like last night are, I would argue, vital for your resume. I mean, they are very important for a resume that has nothing of quality on it, nothing of quality away from home. And that is where you really, really need to make sure that you try and take care of business as best you can. And again, just the expectation, man. I, I don't know if maybe I need to reshift my mind, but I literally saw that score, watched the majority of the game. I'm like, yeah, this is probably what... Oh, you're not surprised by it at all. Nebraska is favored by four or five points going into the game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Purdue back in action tomorrow. They've got Illinois in Mackey. A big one for the Boilermakers there. Butler, UConn. We'll give away a pair of tickets uh, for that one coming up. Let's do that with the pop quiz later today. So a pair of tickets, Butler, UConn at Hinkle coming up tomorrow night. We did tease this uh, leading into the segment, so I will probably share it. Uh, Andy, last year, the Colts and the Texans played a football game in week one. It was a tie. They played a football game to end the year, <laughs> and if Lovey Smith didn't decide to go for two, it would have gone into overtime and could have been another tie. So I do find it relevant that – in Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Was it Raiders Chargers a few years ago that if they both tied, they 
both would have made the playoffs. Is that right? Oh, man. Do you remember I, this? I, I totally remember. What Was it Mark? Mark's off the mic. Was that who it was? Yeah. And the Raiders I t- won, right? They, they won, but it was Yeah, because everybody's like, almost why don't tied. they just all yeah, kneel like, down? Like, agreed to, like, we're just going to just, we're going to tie, so we both go in. So I know people laugh at the tie thought, but I'm like, you know what? We should probably bring this up on the show. So um, if the Colts tie versus the Texans, they can still make the playoffs. Andy, they could still win the division. Yeah, I know. With if the tie, they yeah. tie yeah, with you're the right. Texans they beat and the, the Texans Jags earlier. lose, the Colts would win the AFC South. If the Colts tie versus the Texans and the Steelers have a loss or a tie, the Colts make the wild card. So, as absurd as this sounds, something to note potentially come Saturday night if this game is looking like it could be heading to overtime in the final few minutes of the game, if all of a sudden a tie is creeping into a scenario, Shane Sykin, you might want to pay attention to it a little bit here. Do you think Shane Sykin pays attention to it at all? I don't know if he does. He's not going to tell you. Uh, He's not going to tell the media. Have you missed seeing Shane Sykin the last couple days? His press conferences and being (laughs) being 10, 15 feet away when he gives you a nine-second answer? You know, it's one of those things where at night I'm like, hey, I probably should catch up on a few things to be uh, ready for Thursday. I'm like, oh, Shane, talk for three minutes and 37 seconds I was just saying, it's going to take you three minutes and nine seconds Mm -hmm. to to catch up on it. So ties are not the end of the world for the Colts is what I'm getting at. Here, if they tie with the Texans, they still can make the playoffs. So the Chargers-Raiders yeah. game, real quick. This is going back a yeah, couple years. Yeah, I'm looking years. at it. it. says, there were four minutes and 30 seconds separating <laughs> the two teams from one of the most consequential ties in NFL history. Then a last-second overtime field goal when a simple kneel down would have sent both teams to the playoffs. Yep. Sailed through the uprights. There was no tie. The Las Vegas Raiders won. 35-32. So Carlson hit, Daniel Carlson hit a field goal yep. for the Raiders. In overtime. And if he missed that, they both would have got in? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I remember him getting ready to kick, and I'm thinking, what if this gets blocked in return for a touchdown? Oh, man, it would have been great because it was Staley. That's before we're like, okay, this guy's not good. And now it was like, okay, he's not good. But think about this. If you were to tie, if the Colts and Texans were to tie, you're Saturday night, so you're going to have to, you're essentially going to have to wait so if the Steelers, until Sunday with all of that angst, right? As long as the Steelers win the 430 game on Saturday. So if the Correct. Steelers win on Saturday. Which, by the way, I don't think they automatically win, even though the Ravens are playing backups. But I so, understand why you would pick them to win. So 4.30 on Saturday, the first game, Steelers-Ravens. If the Steelers win that, Colts-Texans tie, we will go to bed Saturday night saying if the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> the Colts are still in. <laughs> Boy, you got to share the info. Uh, it's not. It's not. Listen, given that these two teams recently have tied, and again, and this, th- th- this gets into a situation, Andy, where I'm getting at like, if you have a fourth and seven at your own twenty-five with a minute to go in overtime, you can't just wing it and go for it, right? <laughs> oh man! Because if you don't get it, and Houston kicks a field goal, now you're done. Does now Stike, you're out. Out. Does Tyson talk the rest of the week? Does he have a presser to, today? Today, right? He does have to oh, coach. You might have to ask him to a tie. Yeah. Well, hey, what happens if it's fourth and seven at your own twenty-five yard line with fifty-eight seconds to go? Have you looked at? It's not a bad question. Have you looked at the tie scenarios? I mean, you may not want to answer it, but have you looked at the tie scenarios? Given the ties can happen, it's not stupid. Should I ask that today? I, I don't think it's a bad okay. question. Will, he, may, he may look at you like you have eight eyes growing out of the, the uh, out of your head, but I mean, trust me, he's looked at me with far 
more eyes over the well, season. Well, you know, Boyd was in here, and he, I, was, I was like, are you going to ask him this week or after? If they win, uh, Mackenzie and Tony Brown, are they I, back? I, I know. Is that even I, a conversation worth having? I think, and I again, think are my first two words here. I think that's a no. I would agree. And I'm pretty confident yeah, it's a no. I, I would agree. But... That's that, yeah. I guess that is another. Sometimes question you can move things aside if, if one player's you know again, worth it. Yes, Rex. The Colts are absolutely out if they lose. If they lose, yeah, so, they're done. When you can be the four seed, you can be the six seed, you can be the seven seed. Basically, you're looking at hosting Cleveland, a trip to Kansas City, a trip to Buffalo. All of this is an article up on 107.5 The Fan for that. All right, Scott Agnes. In a few before that, let's morning check down. Yeah, let's go back to the Pacers. Winners last night, 142-130 over the Bucks. We've been talking about a 4-1 and one on the year. Pacers over the Bucks, Five in a row now for the Pacers as well. Overall, they move to 19-14. and 14. Tyrese Halliburton, fantastic yet again. 31 points, 12 assists, zero turnovers in 34 minutes of play. Halliburton postgame on beating the Bucks. When needed, did a good job showing her hands, not fouling. You know, this is a team that, you know, Dame and Giannis shoot a lot of free throws on a nightly basis. They're, you know, tough cover. So, I mean, still got 13 and 10, and it felt like we, we did a good job tonight, you know. So, you know, just keep showing our hands, making them finish over us, gang rebounding. I thought we did a great job on the glass, um, and that allows us to run. And like we've talked about, when we're allowed, when we play in transition, we're a really tough team to beat, and um, I thought we did that tonight probably better than we have against these guys probably all year. And when you look at the box score, the Halliburton night obviously stands out. 31-12-0. Just, again, stupid good numbers from Halliburton. Uh, that would be zero turnovers, 12 assists. But other guys, I think, to note. I thought Bruce Brown, back from injury, had a nice night. Aaron Neesmith, uh, Benedict Matherin off the bench, and, and Obi Toppin. Rick Carlisle praised him big time afterwards. He's taken the demotion. He's still been very important to this team. Again, another really balanced night. I thought this week, both Monday and Wednesday, yes, Halliburton is the catalyst, certainly, but your depth showed, and I thought you did a really nice job. So start of a five-game homestand. That is now five straight wins for the Pacers. It'll be the Hawks coming up Friday nights. All right, Colts injury report heading into this final practice of the week. It's a good injury report. Certainly good when you look at what the Houston Texans have. Uh, right now, the two guys that have not practiced this week, Chris Lamonts and Ryan Kelly. Again, Chris Lamonts filled in for Kenny Moore last week. Good news on Kenny Moore, though. He has practiced this week, so looks like he will be back in the lineup after missing his first game of the season. Ryan Kelly suffered an ankle ankle injury against the Raiders. He finished that game, clearly flared up afterwards. Um, he has been out here for the first couple of days, so we'll see about Kelly coming into today's final practice of the week. On the flip side with the Texans, they have been down quite a few guys to start practice Uh, basically to put it into Colts terms, because I know a lot of these names might be foreign to some of our listening audience, they are missing the the equivalents of Alec Pierce, Josh Downs, DeForest Buckner, Samson Ebicom, Pay, and Dio Dengbo. That's who they have not had at practice so far this week. The number two and three wideouts. Is that it? And their top four sack guys. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, again, were you surprised that Kenny Moore didn't play last week? We never talked about yeah, that. Yeah, you know, he had a pregame workout. Yeah. Uh, tried to give it a go. That flared up on Friday. Um, so, again, we will continue to monitor this final day because this happened a few times this season 
where the final practice of the week has all of a sudden turned something up that's not gone in the Colts' that, that direction. Was a, that was a huge loss. I'm just saying, playing yeah. Ronnie Harrison, when I saw was in that, the, that's a great. I, I, you know, Gus Bradley. I know Devontae Adams he went off, but nobody else did. I, I thought it was a good you know night for him. We if have you some will. outstanding Gardner Minshew, Max Crosby yeah, we'll audio that I know we want to play in a little bit. <laughs> but something I do want to get to after that, Andy, is I thought your young secondary passed the test. And I know Aiden O'Connell might not have given you the hardest test possible, but I thought the young secondary on, a, again, a chaotic final 24, 36 hours of the week, I thought they did a nice job. So Texans, slight favorite in this one heading into Saturday night. Give us one more swoosh here, Corbin. There we go. Nebraska all over Indiana last night, 86-70. Nothing else to say about that game. Khalil Ware, 20-10 in the loss. Other places uh, in the top 25. Clemson Falls in Miami, 95-82. Providence losers at home to Seton Hall, 61-57. Their big guy, Bryce Hopkins, had a had a knee injury. He was screaming in pain. You have to think he uh, is going to miss some time. And then just quickly, uh, in the NFL, tell me if I'm missing anybody. Lamar Jackson and a bunch of Ravens around. Out. You have Sam Darnold versus your boy Carson Wentz in Rams Niners. Uh, Mahomes is out as well as, you know, maybe you throw Tony in the game and say, go catch a damn ball. Uh, Mahomes is going to be out. Will Levis did practice yesterday, but it looks like that's still going to be t- uh, Tannehill uh, there for the Titans. And then Jeff Driscoll is in. Uh, Joe Flacco. Flacco is resting. Drisco, Think about that. Driscoll just got picked up last weekend. Like he just got I know, there. I was like, where's PJ Walker? Where is Dorian Thompson? Rob? Where are these other guys that are playing? I, I have no idea. So uh, basically, if you're not playing, if you're not the Bills or the Jags or what we're going to see Saturday night or the Steelers, you're probably sitting a bunch of players. And Trevor Lawrence did practice yesterday. Uh, he did. It was limited, but he did practice. And that's obviously yeah. a huge thing to now know. He's going to play with the Colts trying to potentially win. The AFC South. Speaking of great audio, we might have to clip this up here. Uh, Giannis last night on the Pacers beating them four times. And this is a direct quote from Giannis. You think about it. When you go home and sleep and wake up, you think about it. When you go back and work out, you think about it. When you're about to get freaky at night, you think about it. (laughs) Well, I was with him until the very end there. Yeah, we need to clip that. Corbin Corbin knows how to do it now. We'll just email that to Corbin. Poor Mrs. Giannis. You know? (laughs) All of a sudden, I'm thinking about T.J. McConnell stealing the ball in the backcourt. Hey, we're having McCon- an intimate moment. T.J. McConnell goes like two weeks and doesn't play, and then comes in and has two or three games where he's fantastic. He is. I love that he's guy. He's a treasure, absolute treasure. Scott Agnes next. Yeah, it is Colts week. You heard the promo there. We appreciate you joining us with some Pacers, obviously, mixed in as well. Big win last night. Just a fun team uh, to watch. Some college basketball. Been a busy, busy week here on The Fan. You miss any of today's show, any of the stuff from any of the live programming, 1075thefan.com. You can download it. Also, download that free app. Take us anywhere in the world. I love the app. Uh, go ahead and download download that. If you're an Android guy on the, what is it, the Google Play Store? Is that what it is? Or I the app in iPhone guy like everybody else is download it and uh, get all of our content there. All right, let's talk some more Pacers. Scott Agnes joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Scott, we have some sound for you. KB, we want to play this, right? We were talking during the break. You want to play this, right? Um, d- uh, Scott, I don't know if you've heard. Uh, Giannis last night was asked about, hey, how does it feel that you guys have lost four out of five to the Indiana Pacers? So take a listen to Giannis game. You you have that, uh, and you think about it. Now when you go back home, and you sleep, and you wake up, you think about it. Now when you go back and uh, work out, you think about it. You know, when you're about to get freaky at night, you think about it. <laughs> you know, um, 
But at the end of the day, it's good because now it gives us time to fix things. No, so that is Giannis. When the you know part might be my favorite because I, I want to be like, no, I don't know. <laughs> no. And I don't want to know. Uh, when you're freaky at night, Scott, you're thinking about it if you're Giannis losing these games to the Pacers. <laughs> so let's start there. What did you make of last night and even Monday? And then, I, I don't know, it's surprising, but it's it's just awesome how this team uh, is in the heads of the Milwaukee Bucks. Why do you think that's the case? <laughs> Isn't that a fantastic quote? Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the other thing to keep in mind, too, about this is, is they've had uh, pretty substantial changes to what they are doing right. Drew Holiday out and Damian Lillard in. On top of that, Mike Budenholzer out, Adrian Griffin in. And also, if you remember that semifinal game out in Las Vegas afterward, that Bucks team, guys, was not in a good place. You had, uh, you know, a story come out about uh, internal stuff that happened and was said. It felt like that was a turning point for that group this season that kind of had to become a rallying cry after that loss. So I find that interesting. Then you compound that here with the fourth loss in five games. It's very strange that not only have these two teams squared off five times this year, but they've done so in the first 34 games here. Um, But last night, it stood out to me the way in which the Pacers fought, competed, um, and really hung in there the entire way. I mean, it wasn't just a win. It was a double-digit win over probably the second-best team in the Eastern Conference. I don't think any statements are made. It's far too early in the season, all things like that. But that left a strong impression about the growth that we have seen from this Pacers group and and um, led to the fact of how they're getting it done. Because, yes, it's Tyrese Halliburton, but there's no secondary guy just yet. And so the fact so many guys contributed, it, contributed to it uh, I thought was important. Scott, I want to quote something, or I guess uh, reread if uh, a quote that you had from Rick Carlisle last night's presser for those that missed it. Um, you tweeted out this quote, and this is from Rick. We have great people that are really starting to understand the personal sacrifices that need to be made to have a successful team. When I hear that quote, when I see that quote, the first name is Benedict Matherin that comes to mind. Uh, who comes to mind for you that Rick could be talking about? Honestly, it's it's just about everybody. I would have said in context here recently, it's Obi Toppin and Buddy Heels. It's the two guys moved out of the starting lineup and since that change, they're 5-0. and Now, that's not the only thing. That's not the number one thing here. But that's the first thing that fans generally will point to is who's, who's getting the attention, who's getting introduced, ooh, are they getting benched now? No, that's not exactly it. The Pacers had this practice. They realized, hey, we need some kind of meaningful change. And so they leaned in towards more size, more physicality, and a group that, that – has worked better together. So, yeah, Matherin's absolutely a part of that bunch, but I point to this starting lineup change that has uh, now led to the most uh, to the biggest win streak of the season thus far. Scott Agnes with us here Thursday on the fan. He's from Fieldhouse Files and he joins us. Pay less liquors hotline. I was going to ask you about the lineup. I, I don't believe it's coincidence. I, I think it's tangible. He made a he, they, you know they made a change. He told us last Tuesday before the Houston game he was going to make a change and now five straight wins. They've really steadied their season. Scott, uh, is it that length and defense and perhaps rebounding? 
seen what has worked out with this new lineup. And then when Nemhard is back, do you think they go back to Nemhard <laughs> or keep a Bruce Brown in the game? Because that's going to be the question. I know Carlisle even talked about that post game as well. Yeah, I think you put it well, steadying the ship, because things could have had, headed in a much <laughs> different direction, right? They they piled up some losses. I think they lost six of their first eight games coming out of the in-season tournament. And to be clear, the first that first week was understandable of games. Like, I think that's something the NBA will have to revisit, is having teams hit long road trips after the in-season tournament um, and things like that. And so then they kind of got this redirection here. And I would say that the number one thing that I notice isn't the starting lineup change. What it is is tweaks to their defensive principles. It felt like they were locked in and kind of hell-bent on some of their defensive principles, which got them beat. Um, the number one thing being trying to take matchups one-on-one or two-on-two. And so what did we see excluding these first, uh, these last, I should say, uh, games against the Bucks? It was Giannis just beating his man one-on-one. And help side was almost late every single time. He'd get to the basket. And when it it eventually became a parade to the free throw line, um, I think these guys looked inside and go, hey, look, we're not allowing a guy to – score 64 points again on us. And I think it was a game where he, he attempted an outlandish number of free throws. Um, and so that was another a substantial change, both in how they guarded Giannis with like a three-man wall they were throwing out there, um, but also the help side that they provide, not just against this team, but others. That was uh, some of the other changes I think they made back in that December 19th practice. But to the starting lineup changes, I'll be curious if this is sustainable, more so specifically with Jalen Smith, because that was an experiment they tried for the first 25 games last season. It didn't entirely pan out. Uh, A lot in due part, because then in the way in which it impacted how other teams guarded the Pacers, and that's what has stood out about it is Miles Turner before these Milwaukee games had led the team in scoring the last couple of games. And why that's notable is oftentimes teams will reduce Miles' offensive impact by mixing up who they are guarding. They'll put the center on Jalen Smith at the four and put a different guy on, on Miles, and therefore he has lesser of an impact. So that's something I've been watching throughout just because that's what happened last season. And Scott Agnes is with us here from the Fieldhouse Files. Scott, I, I get, uh, I've get i gotten this question a lot here in the last, whatever, couple of days. Um, I figured you probably as well. The Celtics play on Friday night, so there's no way the NBA, I don't even know if the NBA would do this. Part of me says they don't want to, like, I don't know, bend down to the NFL. But there's no way they would have bumped Pacers Celtics up to even, like, 5 o'clock, right, with Boston playing the night before, considering you got Colts Texans at 8-15. I see no way, and in, in mostly because both teams play the previous night. Yeah. And so uh, it's already tough enough playing, you know, I think, 25 hours later. But I don't, I don't think either team almost would really want to agree to moving it up three or four more uh, hours there. What do you know? Like, when those overlaps happen, do you notice, like, a much sparser crowd inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse? When, I, I know Colts Pacers, it's not a lot. Sometimes you get, like, the 5 o'clock Sunday tips, so maybe – even fans trickle over a little bit later, but do you notice a big difference? Because you know, unfortunately, that's a great game on Saturday night with right. you know one of the best teams in the NBA coming coming to town. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of competition for eyeballs because while it's not downtown Indy, you also have IU and Ohio State, and a lot of 
there's a lot of crossover between all those fans. But uh, it doesn't seemingly happen very often. They obviously, obviously try to avoid the direct overlap, especially when they're in the same city and it's not like a road game for the Colts, let's say. But I think the number one thing I notice is significant number of Colts jerseys. That's always been amazing is how many fans uh, wear jerseys to Colts games. Then, of course, will trickle over uh, to the Pacers. And then on top of that, I think you just sometimes will see a little bit more of a rowdy bunch if you've been drinking all afternoon <laughs> or, or or you've been at the bar, quite frankly. Maybe you went to the bar or a nice dinner, then you made it out. You made it an event of it. This is a Saturday night. It, it's certainly special. So that that's the thing that will stand out. I don't know if it was under consideration. I, I think it, we've all just become prone, especially in the NFL, where it's like, is this Sunday night game flex? Can we flex Monday night? Generally, they don't want to move move games, and I think that probably goes for both leagues um, here. Uh, it would have made sense if not for just the jam schedule right now, I think, for both teams. Oh, yeah, you guys know the NFL doesn't care. you you got the biggest Pacer game in the history of Pacer well, games. Yeah, I mean, obviously. They'll put that yeah, sucker yeah. at uh, 830 or whatever it may be. Scott Agnes with us. Um, not for, you know, not looking at some of the games here. OG Ananobi was traded to the Knicks from the Raptors, and there's a few things. Number one, the Knicks have 19 wins, and right now the Pacers have 19 wins. So you would imagine you'll be facing that team. So what do you make about you know what do you make about that move as it pertains to the fight here in the Eastern Conference? And then that's also a name that's been linked to the Pacers as well. And it looks like if you're going to get him, you know, again, OG has a player option, and then he'll become the year after an unrestricted free agent. What did you? Make of the trade, and what did you make as the Pacers and Knicks here are going to be fighting for seeding maybe the next several months? For sure, yeah, Andy. It's the, the main thing in all this is some all, all of us are sitting back and waiting. Is is Masai Ujiri in Toronto going to do something? It felt like he was just on his hands, and all of us were talking about the type of potential moves uh, that could be made for Toronto after they've um, and really after the championship. It's gone a little bit downhill. You've had some players leave and. There's deals they have not made at the trade deadline, and thus they've lost players, all-star caliber players for nothing, which is it, it's something we've talked about a lot, right, with Miles Turner last year. could be with Buddy Heald this year. It's, it's something you'd hate to do as, as a leader of a franchise just because you want to get some value of return if possible. Now, you may value, I guess, in some respects, the, the open cap space that comes along with it, but usually you can get a lot more to it. Now, with OG, he was a player the Pacers definitely were interested in, and for obvious reasons, because of his defensive impact. I think they checked in and, and looked into him during the trade deadline, specifically last year. But really since this summer, the number one player I can, I've can i continued to hear about it really since early July when we were in Vegas for Summer League, is Pascal Siakam, who a little bit different player, more of a versatile, more of a two-way player, more of a four than a three. Um, and so now the, the thing becomes, does do the Raptors continue moving on um, from, say, Pascal and really center a rebuild around Scotty Barnes and, and R.J. Barrett and, and, and that whole roster? Or is Pascal part of it? Because he's going to... Uh, have a new contract this upcoming summer as an unrestricted free agent. So that's the decision Toronto will need to make over the next month or so. They'll get a small sample size of what this new team, this new lineups and such look like. Um, and then in terms of New York, they're already one of the toughest, physical, most physical teams uh, in the league. This just adds an- another dimension to them. You've had Jalen Brunson and Randall who can 
help on the offensive end. And OG, he's he's good for probably 15 points per game, but really I think uplifts and helps what they're doing defensively as, as their best defender. Scott will end with this. And again, Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files. Oftentimes with Scott, we ask him maybe more of a business-centric question with the Pacers. And for anybody that either was at the game last night or watched the broadcast, uh, you would saw a lot of pub for the Fisher's Company spoke note. Uh, for those mm-hmm. that have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, and Scott, correct me if I'm wrong, weren't the Pacers the last team without a jersey patch for this season? No, they were one of four, one of four? Uh, teams that did not have a jersey patch um, sponsorship, and they hadn't for this season. It had been Motorola for the last five years, right. I, I believe it was, since 2018. There was an original deal, and then uh, they they signed an extension on that, but that expired going into this offseason. So it got really interesting if you think, too, uh, you know, if the Pacers say got the number one pick with Victor Wembanyama, because you you imagine your price goes up a little bit, right, or something after all of that. But you know, now thirty, you know, thirty four games in after that in season tournament run, um, then the Pacers were able to find find a, a good partner and something they've always trust, whether it's the naming rights for Gamebridge Fieldhouse or for something like this, is they didn't want just any deal. They wanted something meaningful. They wanted something. Um, that uh, that I think they really take pride in the fact that this is a local company as well. It's not just a, a, a any other company, and I think that's notable too because last night they faced the Bucks, who had a Motorola patch, which is exactly what the Pacers um, used to have. So we'll see how it plays out. They've talked about how this QR code on the patch will lead to unique content, um, but we don't know what type of u- unique content just yet. Maybe that's something they're still figuring out in the process but uh it's definitely something we'll all be watching in sports business and i do also want to point out something that i like most of all is we got the black stripe with number 30 on it for um george mcginnis last night now they had worn a black stripe since his death but i I think it was a nice touch and the right touch to add his number last night and i thought that really looked sharp for the first time yeah, I would agree on that. Uh, one last thing on spoke note. Again, it sounds like it's like a video post-it note was, a, I believe, kind of the elevator uh, description, if you will, um, for the company. Uh, again, located in Fishers. Are we talking like any idea how much money spoke note is paying? Like, how much does it cost to be on an NBA <laughs> uniform? How much do the Pacers? It's a great question. Get from spoke note for that. <laughs> Certainly millions, and it differs from market to market. And so, do you no, we don't annually, have any initial. A- Annually, it would cost multiple millions. Uh, I gotta believe so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess in fairness, you are approaching more than midway through this season, um, so that would that would impact the number for this year. But I would be surprised if it was for less than a million dollars per year. I think these things are, uh, generally speaking, here. I think these things are more in the range of three, four million per year type of deal is what you're talking about here. So this is substantial for what is being uh, for a startup in, in Indianapolis. I think it's two or three years old. Um, but yes, in summary, what it is, is uh, for, I think it's for business or per, for personal use. It's changing the way you can send a message. So maybe instead of a handwritten note, you could record a message. So you, then you send someone a, a QR code or you could, um, I guess they have maybe things that little stickies that you could, you know, say enclose in a note or something. And so when you open it up, someone scans the QR code and it shares the message that you have to say with them. So it's trying to, I think, make it more kind of of a personal presentation, a personal kind of note um, than just even like something like a handwritten note.
Yeah, I'd be curious, like, what is on the Halliburton QR code? What is on the McConnell QR code? Some of those things. So a kind of unique uh, note there from the Pacers last night. Scott, great stuff, man. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, guys. Scott Agnes, Payless Liquors Hotline. Some great Gardner Minshew audio of, of him mic'd up from last weekend. We'll play that. Zach Kiefer in about 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, 9 o'clock hour as always. Broadcasting live from the drivehuber.com studios. KB and Andy here on the fan. Kevin Bones back in the saddle. He's well-rested. He's ready to get out there and, and face Shane Steichen uh, face-to-face today. Uh, as uh, Steichen will be talking and obviously we'll keep getting you ready for the Colts and Texans coming up on Saturday night. All the Pacers stuff, a little uh, Indiana intertwined as well. Now, uh, Zach Kiefer is going to join us. Everyone knows him locally for now at The Athletic has a couple different pieces and posted one, what was it, KB, about two, three hours ago uh, on the revival uh, inside, a look inside Indy's revival. So we'll be talking with Kiefer here coming up in about five minutes. Do you want to set up the Max Crosby sound or do you sure. want me to? Well, you know, I haven't given uh, or been able to obviously give some thoughts on the Colts and Raiders, so I figured this is kind of a good time to do it. Uh, but, you know, Max Crosby obviously was a big storyline. Entering the game, and you saw the was I think opening drive, and they stunt him around, and yeah. they got a sack off of that. He did have a big tackle for loss late that forced the long Matt yeah. Gay field but he goal. Didn't, he didn't ruin the but game like really Miles it. Garrett no, 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 no. and other guys. Yeah, that, that was really yeah. it. It was kind of almost a TJ Watt, you know, second half from Max Crosby. Uh, Crosby's known as you know certainly a vicious player on the field, and I guess he came across that way verbally as well. Here is Gardner Minshew mic'd up from NFL Films on Max Crosby. Dude, Max Crosby is so damn angry. <laughs> bro, he, oh, he just. But, like the thing is, like he's not really that angry. I know, right? He just calls. He keeps calling everybody little ass boy. Hey, little ass boy. I'm like, I'm little out here, but not always, you know. Okay, so there's a number of things. You need to go. The Colts have tweeted this out. Gardner Minshew knows the camera's there. He goes, I'm a little ass boy, but not all the time. And he kind of did this wink, side smile at the camera. This is the middle of a huge game, by the way, that they have to win. Uh, But the other sounds are football sounds, a pad's popping. But every time Crosby hit or even went by Minshew, he'd bump him because that's what he does. You talked about that, how he's always hitting guys. uh, Even after the play, he'll give you a little uh, small shoulder, if you will, and calling him a little ass (laughs) <laughs> that just that just sounds so disrespectful to me. Well, I mean, I there's a lot of things meant said to be that on an NFL field. Yeah, but to go there, clearly Gardner Minshew it, it resonated <laughs> with him. Now, I, I say this in all seriousness: exiting Sunday, I thought Minshew as a creator, Andy, was one of the best we've seen all year. Oh yeah, I had agree. Some really critical moments. You go to the opening drive. When he finds Josh Downs, you know, he kind of rolls to the right, steps up in the pocket. It's a broken play. Boom, 50-yarder to Downs. That was kind of a third and medium, third and long. You're able to, you know, cash that in for that opening drive touchdown. Obviously, the ball to Alec Pierce. Third and one, jumbo package, loaded up. He's got a Raider defender right in his face. Oh, he That's stood, a play he stood where in the pocket, yep. You know you're going to take a yep. hit there. You know you're going to have pressure in your face. Can you stand in there, give Alec a chance to create some separation, and make a play. And then the last one, 
there was a fourth and one there late um, where I want to say the score was 17-10. It was a one-possession game, and you went for it. And Michael Pittman was not open by any means. It was one of those kind of rub routes, I think, between Pittman and Granson. And Crosby is in his face probably yelling, little-ass boy <laughs> at Gardner Minshew. And what does Minshew do with Crosby in his face? He stands in there. He gives Pittman a chance. And again, if you watch the play unfold, you would not have thought Pittman was wide open by any means. Fourth and one, you find Pittman, you extend that drive, you push the lead back to two scores, and now you're kind of in control there the rest of the way. Again, third down to downs on the first play or first drive of the game. Third down to Pierce at a moment where the Raiders couldn't convert a third and one to save their life. You get a third and one. You don't, you not only convert it, you score fifty some yard touchdown the, on the, it. The Raiders were doing some weird short yardage things yeah. in that game. I have no idea I mean, the still Raiders what the hell they were doing. Field position. They had so uh, many just, drives. They what five, posi- five possessions in Indy territory? Did they got three points? It right. might have been six possessions. So when you think back to that game again, Minshew as a creator, his final numbers. We won't look at that, I think, and pay a whole lot of attention to it. But I did want to make sure and getting a chance. You know, I I don't want to dive too deep into the game and get back into it. But I thought him as a creator, third and fourth downs, big. Can he be that again coming up on Sunday or on Saturday? Uh, Zach Kiefer going to join us from the Athletic here in a minute. You know, I just I wanted to throw this. I just want to throw this out. A lot's been made, you know, a couple days you were off there in Florida, just talking about Gardner Minshew, bringing him back, right? JMV had uh, his pro football focus guest, Brad Spielberger, who said, hey, you know, maybe takes a few mil less, uh, you know, and comes back to the Colts. Maybe there's some incentives. You're not paying Anthony Richardson. Is that how you feel? How big of a conversation, win or loss, do you think that will be coming from the game on Saturday? I mean, unless he is guaranteed an opportunity to compete for a starting job, and I mean wide open competition, which, you know, again, I mean, look at it here in Indy. When he joined the team in March, it was like, wait, is this, you know, is this going to be a competition? Remember all the incentives on his deal? It's a very wide-ranging deal. Then they obviously come back and draft Richardson fourth overall. So if he's only going to get a backup, then I think here is the best opportunity. He loves Shane Steichen, knows that Steichen is the guy that gives him the best chance to it's a comfortable success. It's a comfortable situation. But if he can go be, and this is maybe not a great example, if he can go be Taylor Heineke well, with, with, with Desmond Ritter. Who got two for 15, I think. Were why the wouldn't he do that? Well, if he could go be Jacoby Brissett with Sam Howell. Why wouldn't he do that? You know, a chance where you're going to play. I mean, but this, fan base, this fan base likes him, though. That right, would but be the other Richardson side of it. gets hurt, he's I know, not playing. I know. You're right. Uh, Zach Kiefer joins us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. He is from The Athletic. You know him. You love him. And he also has a piece he put up about three hours ago there on The Athletic on uh, the, re- the the rebuild, the revival here uh, in Indianapolis with the Colts. Zach, good morning, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Man, we are fantastic. Uh, just uh, crawling right now to, to try to get to Saturday. It's Thursday morning, trying to get to Saturday. Uh, such a big game. I mean, obviously, you've been around for years, this program, this team, this franchise, this organization. You wrote about them there in The Athletic. What did you learn and or what did you find interesting the last 12 months or so as this team went from laughing stock of the NFL to 60 minutes away from playing in the, in the playoffs? Yeah, it was it was actually really funny. I was in the locker room Sunday for the first time in a year, right? So I was there every day for, for nine or ten years, and then I left the beat for a different job this past spring, so I got to catch up with a lot of the guys that I hadn't seen. And I was kind of just joking with a bunch of them being like, 
you know, the last time I was in here, you know, it was a different vibe. Let's just put it that way. And they were like, oh, man, like they have pushed that out of their memory. But then when they started talking about it, I mean, Ryan Kelly was like, look, when we got with our new offensive line coach, Tony Sperano Jr., we were broken. Like that's a, that's a pretty decisive word to use in the NFL with, you know, a unit that has, has had a couple of pro bowlers the last couple of years. And so, I mean, it's just very, very telling that a year ago they were facing the Texans in a game that was going to decide maybe the number one pick, right? That, that's how bad both of those teams were. The Texans cost themselves the number one pick with that win. A year later, both teams are playing for a playoff spot and potentially an AFC South championship. Colts haven't won a division since 2014. That feels like 15 quarterbacks ago. Um, And so the story kind of reveals what the players were saying about how much has changed in one year. And then secondly, kind of behind the scenes, what Shane Steichen has done to lift a team that's really, let's be honest, overachieved most of the year. And he is Zach Kiefer. Obviously, you know him well from his days covering the Colts. And right now, it's a national story as well. Coming up Saturday night, Colts and Texans. I know Zach did something on C.J. Stroud earlier in the year, so I want to get to that at some point. But, Zach, looking specifically back at the hire of Shane Steichen, um, maybe it's unfair to say. I I think if they hire a different coach than Shane Steichen, they might not draft Anthony Richardson. I think he was a huge reason why they selected Richardson and felt maybe as confident as they did in selecting him. Do you think we'll look back at the Chris Boward era and think that the best move he made is the hiring of Shane Sykin? Yeah. I don't think there's going to be much debate. And I think the second best move he made is drafting that kid at quarterback because of what you just laid out. It's really fascinating to go into the, the mind of Jim Mersey, right? So they have swung and missed at quarterback for Lord knows how many years, right? They missed on, you know, this Jeff Saturday experiment, they're kind of a broken franchise. And Ursay spends about five hours with Shane Steichen during the interview process, just one-on-one. Like, what was that like? And he basically walked away from that, convinced that this guy was the right offensive mind to lead them forward. And then you fast forward a couple months and they're getting into the draft stuff. And again, those two sit down. Ursay and Steichen. And Ursay grills him. He's like, why do you want to draft this kid out of Florida? And, you know, 13 games of tape. You guys have talked about this a lot on the air. Everybody in Indianapolis knows this kid was green, not a lot of experience, tons of talent, 51% accuracy or whatever it was. Like, there were some red flags. And Steichen had to campaign for this kid. He had to go campaign for Anthony Richardson. Um, And, you know, the disappointing part is you saw the flashes early in the season, and then it's been Gardner Minshew ever since. But I think what you've seen with Steichen is, you know, he's made the most of what he's had. And I kind of detailed in the story. You guys have gone through this. Like, what, every two weeks somebody else is suspended? They've got the 27th highest paid secondary in the league. And these guys, you know, they play like it sometimes. The offensive line has been good, and then it's been bad. And Minshew's limited. Let's just call it what it is. He's limited. He's overachieving. I think Steichen's really the brains behind it all. But um, it is a telling reset when – there was ego and there was meddling last year. And then they stepped back and said, we're going to go find the coach that can lift us out of this. I mean, this, these are the words from Ryan Kelly, lift us from the ashes, which is pretty telling. And, and Steichen's done that. And I think, I think you can see it every Sunday. I mean, I don't even think the Colts were that much better than the Raiders on, on Sunday. And the Raiders are playing with Aiden O'Connell. And um, yeah, I just, they just find ways to seize big moments. And that third and one to Alec Pierce kind of separated themselves on Sunday and they just kind of been doing that for most of the year, just kind of scraping by. And I think honestly, a lot of it comes back to coaching. 
Zach Kiefer with us. I, I would agree. Listen, uh, D'Amico Ryan, Shane Steichen, uh, McVeigh, uh, Stefanski. I mean, these are guys we're talking on Coach of the Year. It's a small sample size with Steichen. I don't believe it's a one-year thing. I think he can easily mature into being one of the better coaches in the NFL. Nationally, you cover the game from a big picture, looking at all 32 teams. How much respect do you think a guy like Shane Steichen has received this year and will receive, especially in the offseason, if they make the postseason this season? Yeah, I mean, that would be something, right? I mean, that's something this team thought they were ready to do the last several years, right? They thought they were going to end this division streak and go on a run, and it blew up in their face. They were never as close as they thought they were. If he gets them, you know I mean? They could win Saturday. They're playing at home. They've already beat the Texans. They've already beat Stroud. And Minshew played most of that game down in Houston in week two. So it's absolutely possible if he does that, man, like what is there left to say? I mean, what did you guys have them winning at the beginning of the season? Five games. That was, that was five yeah, games. That was generous. I mean, I think it was four and five and six. If you looked at the roster, I mean, the defense, I mean, Shaq Leonard was coming back and he was a big question mark. You eventually get hardly anything from him and then move on from him. All the suspensions – um, it's just a shame that Kevin Skafanski has done such an amazing job. He's on his fourth quarterback, for goodness sakes. It's hard not to give it to him, but, I mean, John Harbaugh, Stefanski, D'Amico Ryans, all these guys are deserving. I don't think it's really worth the time to get into the debate. They've all done a fantastic job, but I think you're going to see Shane Steichen at his best next year when Anthony Richardson comes back healthy. Yeah, I had seven wins, but I would be the first one to raise my hand and say no way, shape, or form did I ever think we'd be sitting here with what's at stake coming up Saturday night. Again, Zach Kiefer is with us here from The Athletics. Certainly a national approach from Zach, and a lot of it has been Colts here as of late. You also, a couple months ago, went down to Houston and caught up with C.J. Stroud. At that point, to quote Shane Sykin from earlier in the week, Zach, he was playing at an MVP level. I mean, he was in the race, really, um, and I think well-deserved. Um, what were your takeaways from your conversation with Stroud? I was pretty blown away. Obviously, the Georgia game spoke for itself, but I was pretty blown away at the combine. I'm like, man, this dude has got a confidence and a swagger to him that I think guys are going to big time you know, follow, and, he, and he'll be a great leader with that. Uh, what was your reaction to talking with Stroud? Yeah, a little bit of the same. And I went back to everything I went through in the draft process, right? Like we saw him at the combine. We, threw, we saw him throw. We heard him talk. And then I went to Ohio State. And there was that subtle confidence that you want in a quarterback. He's very soft-spoken. He doesn't have this big, loud voice. I can't see him yelling at teammates, but he's cocky, and he knows he's really good. And he said at the Combine, he said, I'm a ball placement specialist. And that's the vibe I got from the Texans locker room, talking to veteran players. Like, it's hard to put into words how accurate he is with the ball, like, right away. I think that's just like a gift. He throws such a pretty ball. And that's what got him in the MVP, you know, rookie of the year conversation in mid-November. I went to that game in Cincinnati, and he outplayed Joe Burrow when Burrow was healthy. I mean, he just outplayed an MVP candidate who's been to a Super Bowl. And that's how well Stroud was playing. Now, Tank Dell being out, that hurts them. But, you know, D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud have completely flipped the narrative in Houston. It was a laughingstock and irrelevant franchise that had won 11 games in three years. Like, they were just absolutely irrelevant in the NFL landscape. And so he's, he's, he's a fun, cocky kid, and he's going to be a problem for the Colts for a long time. I really do believe that. And Zach Kiefer is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Zach, one last one Colts-wise, and it, it is a little bit more off the field, and you brought this up um, a few minutes ago. If you go back to June, and, I mean, hell, you've covered the team for quite some time, seven 
suspensions, uh, obviously an arrest on top of that. You know Chris Ballard probably better than anybody, even on the beat right now. Uh, how bothersome do you think that is for Ballard, or do you look at it all of there's plenty of context to go around, some of it league-wide? Uh, how do you think Ballard kind of views the off-the-field stuff for a guy that talks about character so much? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I would not stretch to say it bothers the heck out of him. I mean, I, I, you know how Chris thinks. You know what he, you know, they preach character. They preach blue horseshoe guys, right? For the people who don't know, that's the card, the color of the card. They give draft picks that are really high character guys. And they have a ton of those guys. And that was something that was reminded to me in the locker room Sunday when I got to talk to them for the first time in several months. A lot of the leaders on this team are very, very good guys, but they have had a recent spate of suspensions and the like that are troubling. I mean, Grover Stewart's one of the faces of your defense, and that's a PED suspension. And then you've got gambling on your own team, and then you've got a very, very serious allegation against Drew Ogletree last week. I mean, that's that's not something we've had a lot in the Chris Ballard tenure, but it, it, it's it's reminding me of something that I was talking to someone about on Sunday at the game. We think we know these guys, and then sometimes you just don't. You just don't know what they're doing when they're not at the facility with the team. Um, but the fact that they've overcome that is frankly remarkable. It, it's just remarkable what they've been able to do because, as the, some players said yesterday, you know this we wouldn't have won these games last year. We wouldn't have won these close games. We wouldn't have won after a couple guys get suspended. So, you know, that's telling that Steichen has been able to keep them in it. Um, he sounds like a pretty intense guy behind the scenes. Zach Kiefer with us. I, I just want to ask, I mean, you have, a ton, you have a ton of Ballard stuff in your latest piece on The Athletic. Just speaking about Chris Ballard, what is, man, what's at stake for him on Saturday? I, I find this to be a conundrum for fans. I think a lot of fans are tired of Chris Ballard, but he's put together a, a, a young team here, and there might be some really cool things happening, quarterback, coach, and everything else. Uh, but also they say, well, year seven, why are we relying on rookie cornerbacks, right? Like there's that take. But those players could turn into really valuable pieces. Uh, and But there's just a lot of angst there. You know, I was listening to our post game, even though they beat the Raiders, you know, people are calling into Greg Rakestraw, still not happy about the roster and Chris Ballard and everything else. Is there something at stake that it's black or white that he needs to make the playoffs? Or or is that not the case? It's a young team, and Ballard's going to be here for a long time. Yeah, I'm speaking completely from my own lens. This is not reported, but I, I don't think so. I think Ursay, and the only man that matters, the only opinion that matters is, is Jim Ursay. I think the trains are on the right track. And I think that wasn't something you could say a year ago. When Chris Ballard opened his press conference at the end of the season with two words, I failed. And I get the one playoff win in seven years, and that's valid, but there's a lot of context to that. I think you can say both things. It's an absolute disappointment that they've won one playoff game, but there's a lot that goes into that. His hands are dirty, but they're not the only hands that are dirty, and we all know that, and we've all covered that. Um, the fact that they could win a division is, is wild. I mean, they haven't won a division since 2014. Like, that was when they thought they were going to have Andrew Luck for 10 more years. I mean, that was like I said earlier, like 15 to 20 quarterbacks ago. And so they keep thinking they're going to get there with Frank Reich, and they never do. And then they keep trying to make these short-term moves to just get over that hump, and it just blows up in their face. So I think this year is a reflection of Ballard stepping back and saying, my approach to roster building, and the JT decision was a big part of this, it needs to be different. So I think they reset everything last summer. That's why they weren't ready to give JT a big contract in the summer. 
because, like he said, they won four games. They weren't sure where this was headed and if they had the right setup, right? And then Steichen starts to really coach well, and then Richardson shows you what he can do. I think that's when their minds changed, and they were like, okay, we've got something going. We want Taylor to be here with Richardson for the next four or five years. We've got our quarterback. I really think they believe that, even though he only played like 11 quarters. So I'm just saying from my end, from the outside, I'm no longer on the beat. I don't think Ballard is on the line this year because of right the way they've gotten this straightened out. Now, again, things change fast in this league, but he, he made some good moves last year. And it, 1A is Shane Steichen, 1B is Anthony Richardson, and that can go a long way for a GM. Jacksonville, do you think they fall on their face? What do you make uh, of what's happened there? Do you think the Titans can win that game? And then Bills-Dolphins, the last game before we find out who's in the playoffs. What do you think ultimately happens there in the AFC East? Any hunch? I'm telling you, man, I do not trust Jacksonville one I don't either. The way they've played the last month, it would not surprise me at all. I wish that game was Saturday so the Colts and Texans knew what they were playing for. But still, they're still going to play all out, obviously. And then secondly... Here's my conundrum, guys. I think I'm covering the Dolphins in the playoffs. So who do you think I'm rooting for on Sunday night? It it, it could really mean I go to Buffalo to watch a game in January or I go to Miami in January to watch a game. So where do you think my allegiance is lying? Fair Uh enough. (laughs) Speak no more on that end. Zach, today is the 10-year anniversary of one of the greatest comebacks in NFL history. We'll end it with this. That would be Colts and Chiefs in that playoff game. Certainly one of the more iconic, probably the most iconic moment inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. I'll share my memory and and let you also as well. Obviously, the Hilton over the top, the Lux Superman, all of that stands out. You know what I kind of find? uh, It's probably a bit forgettable from the comeback, but Andrew Luck threw an interception on the first play of the third quarter. Like, it was 31-10, and then it got worse. It got to 38-10, and Luck then chucks one up to Derek Rogers for like a 40-yard gain on the next drive that gets the Colts into scoring position. They punch that in. Mathis has a strip sack on Alex Smith on the next possession, and all of a sudden the snowball is rolling downhill. Uh, What are your memories from that game 10 years ago today? Maybe one of the signature moments of Andrew Luck's career, and there was a lot of great moments, but that game, like you said, I mean, you asked him after the game, like, what changed? And he was like, well, I stopped throwing interceptions. And it was just like, that's such an Andrew Luck response. The one scene I'll never get out of my head is, is the NFL Films video that came out later that was, you know, they had all this momentum. I think they're down five or six or something in the, in the last drive. And in the huddle, Andrew Luck, this nice guy who compliments all the defensive players that tackle him, never says a bad word about a teammate, gets in the huddle and looks at T.Y. and says, run your bleeping bleep off. And it's really like just a go route. And he just, gosh, he just threw such a pretty ball. T.Y. catches it in stride, doesn't even have to flinch. And that was that. And I don't know if I've ever heard Lucas Oil Stadium louder. I mean, I've heard really loud before. And I remember the RCA Dome days when they were even louder. But that throw, it kind of just signified this team is here. This team is going places. And those two, it's easy to forget because it's been a while. But those two, that Hilton Deluxe conversation. Like connection was just that was just special, and that for me was the signature moment of their careers together, and of really that era for Luck. You know, it's funny to say, Zach. Earlier that season, they had that big game against Richard Sherman and the Seahawks, and I think kind of like in our own little you know indie market covering the Colts bubble, it was like, damn, they could have something here with this duo. And then nationally, 
that's when I think everyone was like, oh, wow, they they certainly do have something. And obviously, one of the greater duos certainly this franchise has ever seen in Andrew Luck to T.Y. Hilton. Ten years ago today, the Colts come back over the Chiefs uh, in the wild card round. Zach, great stuff on the most recent piece. That is, again, up on the website. The Colts are broken. Now they're a playoff contender. A look inside Indy's revival up on the athletic. Great stuff, man. And uh, we are all praying the rosary for Miami for you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy the game this weekend. Zach Kiefer, Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, it's funny. You know how I experienced that Chiefs-Colts game? Uh, I, I was working. I was a couple years, and the last group I worked with was based out of in radio Kansas City, and I wa- and I watched that game with with Chiefs fans. That's how I. That's how. And boy, they were as chesty as chesty and could was, get in that game. That was a little bit of like, not quite Marvin Lewis ri- uh, vibes for Andy Reid, but like that all of a sudden kind of put them of like. Is Alex Smith? Oh no! Is the Alex Smith? That's a takeaway. A guy, yeah. or you know, 100%, it, it, you know, can Andy Reid lead this team? And they, they they found some playoff success in the years after. Obviously, drafting Mahomes a few years later, but man, that game, yeah, thirty-one ten at half. Luck throws a pick on the first play of the third quarter, and there's kind of the misconception of like, oh yeah, it was a storybook second half. Not really. Like, yeah. you throw a pick on the first play. <laughs> then Kansas City goes and scores, but Derek Rogers. How about that? That's for his only catch. Yeah, I, 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 I'm looking at it now. I remember him a little Donald Brown conversation uh-huh. in there. Yep. Uh, Trent Richardson had one carry in that game. I'm just, I'm just looking at it. All the names: Nile Davis. I remember drafting him in a keeper league Nile in fantasy. Davis, right? Nile Davis from our, from what Arkansas, right? And the iconic image is Donald Brown fumbling on the goal line. Oh, yeah. Luck picking it up. The Superman. Oh, it's ridiculous! Yeah, over no, the goal line. I, I think that was where I, I was because I, I was, you know, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles hater. So, so Reed never won there. I mean, he made four NFC Championship games, made the Super Bowl, and everything else, but he didn't win the Super Bowl. And then he went to Kansas City, and I was like, him and Alex Smith, they were just recreating the heartbreak that Philly had experienced that you're winning games. I mean, they were 11 and five that season. Then they went, I think nine and seven, then 11 and five again. So like they were winning games, but they, but you knew you couldn't win the biggest game with that combination. Uh, And I'm, I'm telling you, there was a, there, I won't say his name. It'll get back to you. He's a young guy. He's a young guy right out of college, big chiefs fan. He was cocky as bleep. He was not Jimmy cook. He was, he was, Guys, he was cocky as bleep when that game. What? What? James it was Cook. Was it thirty-one-seven? Did that get to thirty-one-seven? It was thirty-eight ten. Okay, thirty-eight ten was. After I'm trying to think pick, of the yeah, exact score. Thirty-eight ten at half. And dude, he was running his mouth as much as you could run your mouth. And I'm like, dude, you know that. Like, I'm not like you don't have to run your mouth to me and just to watch the meltdown. I remember. Oh, I remember that meltdown. T.Y. Hilton, <laughs> great. 13 catches for 224 Oof. yards. I think this is adding up. 10 year anniversary of that. Hilton owns the Houston Texans. Bang the anvil Saturday night. It's either him or Max Bowen. Listen, I, listen I, I don't want to even I don't want to even do my pick Friday. It, like I'll wait till Saturday until Max Bowen does his pick. I'm not going against you know our Lord and Savior of gambling, Max Bowen. Maddie's like, hasn't he gotten like a lot right in a row? I'm like, yeah, this is now eight in a row. Well, she needs to know what's happening. He's becoming a cult hero. I know, and I'm afraid if he picks the Texans, we might need cops outside the house. <laughs> well, you're that's right. I have to get you a security. By system. the way, I have a wild IU stat when we get to IU Ooh. here in the morning checkdown. All right, uh, Tony Adranya, who we had on I last saw week, it. Uh, I, I saw with it. A- Great, great note oh. here. Let's lead off the morning check down though with some happier thoughts. 
Yeah, and and obviously, uh, those happier notes, 142-130, that is the final last night. Pacers over the Bucks. Pacers 4-1 and one this season against the Milwaukee Bucks are the Pacers 19-14, five straight wins overall postgame. Rick Carlisle on all the challenges the team has overcome. There are many challenges, but, you know, being able to meet those challenges is what's fulfilling in this business from the coaching side but 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 even even the player side you know when guys that you know haven't haven't tasted the playoffs before realize the kinds of things that it takes there's special sacrifices and uh we got to keep talking about it truthfully and keep everybody as ready as possible start off a five game homestand with five straight wins that's what the pacers did again, Andy, two different ways beating Milwaukee Monday versus Wednesday. You poked the bear, you do a little chirping, and you also walked it last night. Uh, kind of a fun sequence there late in the third quarter with Benedict Matherin and Dame Lillard. Matherin was great, Halliburton was a video game like he usually is. Um, big bench minutes as well. Isaiah Jackson continues to play well. Again, the depth of the Pacers really showed in both of these matchups. Bruce Brown back in the lineup as well. I said that knee had been bothering him for about a month now, so. Uh, we'll see if he can kind of get back to maybe what he th- or what he was playing like at the at the start of the season and what you thought with that contract with him. So Pacers back in action tomorrow night. That'll be the Hawks. Of course, that one we saw in the in-season tournament, and that was a shootout in Atlanta. Uh, it'll be a back-to-back for Indiana coming up with Atlanta and then Boston this weekend. All right, Colts' final injury report of the week is coming later today. Right now, it is in much better shape than what it looks like in Houston. For the Colts, Kenny Moore has practice this week, should be back in the lineup. Ryan Kelly is really the only one to watch heading into today, again, the final practice of the week. He has not gone so far this week. Did get hurt against the Raiders, played through that ankle injury, uh, but that will be one to keep an eye on later today. For Houston, though, they are missing several, several notable guys. Basically, they're number two and three wideout in Robert Woods and Noah Brown. Then on their D-line, Jonathan Greener, their leading sacker. Will Anderson, the stud out of Alabama. Uh, Malik Collins, Sheldon Rankins. Basically, it's their four top defensive linemen, Andy, have not practiced this week. Now, again, some of these guys could be some early maintenance in the week, some rest, but today is a huge That's day worrisome if you're there. For them. Yeah, those are all good players, by the way. I mean, Grenard's good, Rankins is good, and, and Will Anderson, Anderson is... Yeah, rookie record there yeah. for the Texans was seven sacks, so uh, they're good. By the way, Dad, one thing to that, Quinn Nelson, six Pro Bowl. We need to mention that again. Yeah, six That's Pro Bowl good. in that note. Again, he's the first six straight Pro Bowls to start a career in Colts history. That includes, obviously, some Hall of Famers for this franchise and just the fourth offensive lineman to have ever achieved that in zone, Zach Martin. One of those. All right, so you have a stat. We'll get to it here in a second. Indiana blown out. Not good at all in Nebraska. At Nebraska last night, 86-70, your final. Hoosiers fall to 10-4 and on the season. 2-1 and there in the Big Ten postgame. Mike Woodson unhappy with the loss. Well, we basically gift them 27 points on turnovers. That was, I thought, the difference in the game tonight. I mean, and in our defense, we just, once we got behind, we just couldn't gain any ground. And we just kept turning it over, gifting them both. Buckets and you can't do that on the road. I'm always make it clear when we go out on the road, man. You got to defend and rebound and not turn it over and get shots. And 
We were totally opposite tonight. Bright spot, Khalil Ware did have 20 and 10 and 34 minutes uh, in the win. Back at it uh, against Ohio State Saturday night while we're all watching the Colts. <laughs> of course, the Pacers in action. So what's your stat? I know what the stat is. I saw it, but this tell the people. quite alarming. It's not good. A little bit of a tease, though. We'll give away a pair of tickets coming up to the pop quiz. Butler, UConn tomorrow night from Hinkle. 317-239-1070 if people want to start calling in. This from Tony Adrania, who, again, we've had on here, does great stuff covering IU. He goes, took a look at Tom Crean's last three years, Archie Miller's last three years, and Mike Woodson's first two and a half years, and losses of at least 15 points. Crean, eight of those games. Archie, 12. Last night for Mike Woodson, number 14. That's astonishing. In the blowout loss number. Wow. And as Tony points out, I think very accurately in following up, uh, you have issues defending the three-point line. You have issues making the three-point shot. Uh, it's going to lead to some of this. Uh, and that clearly, I, in my opinion, it's a very archaic approach for building a what I think you need to be a consistent winner, certainly an upper echelon March, potentially April type team as well. Uh, they are, in a way, I mean, kind of like almost how the Colts early in the Ballard era. It's like you're built more for the 80s and the 90s and not built for you know what today's college basketball and basketball in general is all about. So that is an alarming number, which one you would think would grow by a couple of games. I mean, they're probably going to lose a couple of more times by at least 15 the rest of this year. Well, I mean, can they go 500 in the Big Ten was what was what I was thinking. Then you need to go to the Big Ten tournament and win a couple games, and we know the history there. I, that, that's an alarming number. If you'd have told me, hey, three years of Archie, two years and change, two and a half years with Woodson, who has more losses by 15-plus, and you would have told me that Woodson had a few more already with a half season to play with, what is it, uh, 15, 16 games left in the Big Ten still to play, I, I never would have guessed it would have been Mike Woodson. Green never. 8, Archie wow. 12, Mike Mike Woodson, 14, as another one last night in Lincoln, Nebraska, of all places, for the Indiana Hoosiers. All right, again, a pair of those tickets to Butler, UConn tomorrow night. It is a big one at Hinkle. We'll give that away coming up next. Yeah, so not only do you get a chance to win the oil change, you get a chance to win some tickets to Butler UConn coming up on Friday. And by the way, Butler, Butler with a couple losses, they need this one. It's a big game for Butler. It's a big yeah, game for Thad Mata. got the heave-ho the other night, didn't he? <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, they're in Carnaseca Arena. He got the heave-ho. By the way, I'm looking. Now, they're not giving anything away, so don't worry. There's an Adrian Dantley question. How about that? Oh. A little Notre Dame great question right, on this. That was such a collapse by Notre Dame last night. Yeah, well, you beat Virginia. I know. The Virginia you win know. was... I was shocked. I'm still shocked. How did he lose to Citadel by 20 and beat Virginia by 20? Uh, Virginia's probably wondering the exact same thing. Virginia yeah. won last night, but I, they're not very good. I don't know how good they are, but still well, a good win for Notre Dame. Didn't look so. good at all. Yeah, Butler, UConn coming up tomorrow night. Obviously, we got Purdue and Illinois from Mackey, and then the Pacers with the Hawks. A pretty good Friday night of hoops here around the state, and we'll give away a pair of tickets the Butler and UConn here on the pop quiz. Andy Sweeney, give me a number one through eight. Oh, goodness. Uh, let's go. Let's go number three. Caller number three, Corbin. Who do we have? Go ahead. Pop your mic on. Who do we have? We've got David. All right. We have David. David, fire away. David, good morning. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm great. How are you doing? David, you a Butler fan? Um, Sort of. I'm an IU fan primarily, but... Uh, I'm a Brownsburg guy, so I always rooted for them when Gordon Hayward was there. Sure, sure, sure. What are your thoughts on the Hoosiers? Oof. Oh, that was embarrassing, wasn't it? <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> I, I had to turn it off. Couldn't watch it. 
Yeah, that right there, I think, sums up kind of how I thought about it. But I, I don't know. I, part of that was kind of my expectation, a little bit of my expectation going into it, and that's pretty sad when that is my expectation. Well, Joe, congrats on going to Hinkle tomorrow night. Again, that is Butler and UConn. Not Joe. David, sorry. Uh, I'm going to uh, Hinkle tomorrow night. Andy Sweeney, you want to throw number one out? All right, yeah, let's go, man. Let's try to get this. Uh, question number one, the IUPUI Jaguars head to beautiful downtown Moon Township, Pennsylvania this evening to take on Robert Morris, the the uh, Colonials of Robert Morris. Who leads that all-time series? IUPUI or the Colonials? Got a 50-50 shot. Uh, let's go IUPUI. This guy was a pretty good linebacker for the Colts back in the day as well, David. Okay, well, Robert Morrison. <laughs> All right, number two here, key to the Super Bowl run. I don't think the Colts ever had an, uh, an IUPUI linebacker. Robert uh, Morris did beat Kentucky in the NIT. Yeah, that's why I that's think That's what of they're them. known for, that, right? that is literally what they're known for. Uh, number two here, David. The Pacers made it four or five wins against the Bucks this season with last night's victory at the Fieldhouse. Who's the leading scorer in last night's game? Was it Giannis, Benedict Matherin, Damian Lillard, or Tyrese Halliburton? Tyrese. Good start here. All right, question number three, David. Softball there. Uh, It is. I like it. The Colts host the Texans in a win-and-you're-in matchup Saturday, Lucas Oil. The Colts and Texans battled to a 2020 tie in last season's opener. Who was the last team that the Colts tied before last year's Texans season opener? Was it the Eagles, Packers, Patriots, or Jets? Hmm. Let's go with – I'm just taking a shot in the dark here. Let's go with the Jets. So much for the softballs after yeah. that one there. That's not an easy one. Yeah, on this day uh, in 1970, David, the final game, the American Football League history was played with AFL teams becoming part of the NFL the following season. Who won the final AFL championship game? Was it the Chiefs, the Jets, the Raiders, or the Dolphins? That would be, I'll guess, the Chiefs. All right, David, question number five. Pretty good here. 40 years ago today, 40 years ago today, Notre Dame legend Adrian Dantley tied the NBA record for most free throws made in a game when he went 28 for 29 for the Utah Jazz. Whose record did he tie? Pistol Pete, Calvin Murphy, Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West. Uh, it's got to be Will. That would be my guess. I tell you, David, man. David, you're a strong guesser. Were you uh, Were you valedictorian? Did you go to Brownsburg? <laughs> I did go to Brownsburg. I did graduate, but I was certainly not valedictorian. <laughs> Salutatorian? <laughs> yeah. No. Isn't that who's second? <laughs> <laughs> not was, even close. You know anything about the Brownsburg basketball team this year? I know they lost the catchings kid. Are they, are, are, are they doing any good? I think they're doing okay. They're still ranked. Just got beat by Avon the other night, though, which is Uh the last team we want to get beat by. I I think they're still doing all right, though. Hendricks County Hmm. uh, Powers is right there. Um, All right, let's see how he did. Andy, I was very impressed by the effort from David. No matter what happens, David, you need to stay on the line. Little hint for number one, but Bob Morris was correct. Yeah, the Colonials. I can't believe they played five times. Were they ever in the same conference? That's a great point. Well, yeah. Well, I guess I, all this has happened in the last couple of years. Uh, the leading scorer last night, Mr. Halliburton.
And then Andy, how about his guesses on four and five? I, I mean, I just, I love it. Uh, on four, he got the, what, the Kansas City Chiefs w- w- was right, who won the final AFL championship game. And then Wilt Chamberlain, yes, that's who Adrian Dantley tied back 40 years ago. Wilt Chamberlain went 28 for 32 in his 100-point game in 1962, or his supposed 100-point game, I'm kidding, in 1962. What's the one he missed? Number three? three. Was that it? The Packers, not Oof. the Jets on that one. David, great effort. Stay on the line. You're going to get your tickets. Butler, UConn tomorrow night, 6.30 from Hinkle. Purdue's 8.30. Is that right tomorrow? Yeah. That sound right? Yeah, and by the way, Braden Smith is going to be on with JMV yeah. today. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's your boy. You have, you have a mini man crush on Braden Smith. I like me some Braden boy, Smith those a guards, lot. How, how much of those guards going to fill it up against Indiana? Uh, Braden Smith's on with JMV, and then Juju Brents. This afternoon with Query How about and Company. The local f- flavor. How about Born that? Central Westfield. Oh, Juju Brents, boxes. Who's so been playing well? That'll be a little FS1 doubleheader tomorrow night. Uh, Butler again at home. That is 630. And then after that, you will get Purdue and Illinois. That is an Illinois team ranked number nine in the land. Obviously, Terrence Shannon, just an awful, awful allegation. Um, arrested. Or the, the, the report was rape at Kansas um, back in September. Not at Illinois or in Champaign there. So he has been... S- suspended while that legal process plays out. But I didn't Illinois they beat what they beat Northwestern by a lot earlier this yeah, week. Was yeah, that right? They, they they have won at least one game without him. I do know I mean that's a top ten team in the country. Well I think a lot of in the country before the Shannon news came out that they would be kind of the if there is a team to challenge Purdue. They would be the second team, right? Yeah if they would be the one in the Big Ten there. So a uh, Purdue back at home coming up after they ended Maryland's nineteen game home winning streak earlier this I love week. the 6-30, 8-30. Give me 6-30, 8-30, uh, a staggered time over 7 and 9 because 9 o'clock is not 9 o'clock. It's 9-10, it's 9-12, it's 9-15. I'm well, tired. If you're looking bed. for optimism, and David pointed out there, Indiana gave you every every ability to turn off the well, TV yeah. with about 10 minutes ago in the second <laughs> yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think most people did that. Early night last night for the Hoosiers. Tanagua? Was that the kid who hit all the shots? Am I saying is that it, right? Is it Tamanaga? I think Tamanaga? it's Tamanaga. Yeah. I think there's an M He's in there. He's asking the crowd for more at Pinnacle Bank Arena. That was outstanding, the celebration Yeah, it was for ta- him. Tamanaga. T-O-M-I-N-A-G-A. That dude's, not, that dude's good, man. And He's Hoiberg's, filling it up. Hoiberg's kid looks like Nebraska. <laughs> he, he looks like Hoiberg's kid and Nebraska. They all look like Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, we'll do it one final time here. It's a wake-up call. KB and Andy. I appreciate everyone hanging out today on this Thursday. We're hanging on the drivehuber.com studios, KB and Andy. It's the wake up call. Uh, we'll give our picks coming up tomorrow. Be a football Friday show. A lot of football, obviously. Uh, Greg Rakestraw, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts will join us, our picks and much more. So uh, we'll have fun doing that. And uh, I want you guys to not lie about something. Is that okay? Oh, Especially gosh. you. I know Mark Dykton's training young Corbin here. So I don't, don't lie about this. You want some Thursday night football. Even if it's Jets-Packers tonight, tell me you wouldn't turn on Jets-Patriots for See, a little Thursday night football. Come on. I, Come on. I, I'm in the mode on this Thursday back from a week-long vacation in Florida where I need no alcohol and I need sleep. Okay. So I am... This is like the perfect night for that. There's <laughs> nothing, nothing on local. There's, there's nothing. No, you don't have Tomorrow anything. Tomorrow we've got you know great basketball oh, slate. Yeah. Saturday speaks for itself. So I am thrilled. <laughs> About tonight. Come on, Mark. Sorry to be selfish. Let, let, let's hear you, Mark. You always no. dog these Thursday this, Amazon this is games. The first, this is the first night where you're kind of like, oh, man, the football season really is winding <laughs> yes. down. No Thursday night. Bingo. Do we not there have was no the, Monday night last week. Bingo. It, it's getting there. Do we yeah. not have the random 
final bowl game before the national title. Like, didn't oh, we man. used to get that? It like, feels there was like the, we did, yeah. There was the post-New Year's Day random January 3rd <laughs> or 4th bowl. <laughs> and it, like Louisiana Lafayette sure. for somebody. Wouldn't uh, that I'm be checking, the perfect time I'm checking, for... I'm checking right now. No. What, no. like, what, what brand can we get there? A cool whip? I, I, I'm trying to think of like a, a brand that could sponsor a <laughs> some, bowl Some game sort here. of cheese or something. No, you're, yeah. you're spot on, but I don't see one. I remember what you you know what you are saying. I, I believe to be true, uh, but but nonetheless, no, and, that that's not the case. And honestly, sorry. Think, thinking about thinking back to Monday night, or thinking to Monday night, I should say, with Washington and Michigan for the national title, it did get me thinking. Um, obviously, I'm sure you guys recap this on Tuesday. But I feel like a little bit of this Michael Penix NFL conversation is a little bit like the C.J. Stroud conversation from last year. Okay. Oh, his wideouts yeah. are so good. You know, it's not going to be that easy for him at the NFL. He's behind one of the best offensive lines in football. He can't really scramble. He doesn't really create. I know that Penix has a lot more injury history, but I cannot believe some of these NFL people that have him as like a day three quarterback. Doesn't he scream at the very least? Ideal backup. Yeah, you know, and, and here, well, here's the pinpoint thing. accuracy. I, not afraid. Makes every throw in the field. Seems to play his best in the biggest games. Yeah, but, smart dude. Yeah, but we were wrong about C.J. Stroud. Right. That's what I'm saying. We're, like, gonna be, we're we wrong, wrong about, about him. We're going to be wrong about Michael Penix. Right. 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 And it yeah. seems like all these people think that Stroud. And again, these are NFL like scout draft related people are saying, I'm not taking him before round four. Yeah, and again, whatever. I, I understand the injury history, but if you're asking him to be your backup. Theoretically, he's going to be healthy, you know. So I, I, I don't oh, I know. Think, I, just, I think he's better. I think he's better than I think a backup. A, he is so surgical oh, and so precise. I love the gunslinger mentality that he has. I can't wait for Monday. And Here, I also have a financial stake in Washington. Here, here's tell. some, yeah, you do. Blaine Gabbert starting, Jeff Driscoll, Carson Wentz, Nick Mullins, Trevor Simeon, Easton Stick, Tyrod Taylor, Mason Rudolph, Jared Stidham, some of the quarterbacks uh, that we'll be seeing on <laughs> on Sunday. Speaking of the Wentz, NFL, baby. Uh, week 18, they always have, you know, it's the last week guys can amass stats. So there's incentives. You want to hear some of the incentives that are out there for some players? Yes. Now, Odell Beckham has quite a few. You. Oh, and I don't know if he, I can't believe he's going to play as injury riddled as he's been. You're going to sit everyone. If you're Baltimore, you're going to play Odell. If Odell uh, can get 185 yards, that's 750 K five catches will net him 250 more. Uh, Chris Jones of the chiefs. Boy, I can't believe he's playing. If he gets one sack, one more sack, 1.25 mil. If, if if the if the uh, I saw this one Baker Mayfield if the Bucks make the postseason and listen all they have to do is beat the Carolina Panthers if they make the postseason he gets a million dollars not bad for him for us on Saturday night Devin Singletary who is now the lead back there in Houston he gets 125k if he can amass 165 yards <laughs> if he can do that uh, Alexander Madison 125 yards if he can get that he'll get 600 uh, in. 50k uh Calais Campbell if he can get three sacks he'll get a half mil uh DeAndre Hopkins if he can get 49 yards he'll get a million dollars now 49 yards not all of the names that you just mentioned are on teams that want to rest guys but some of the names like Odell Beckham if you're Baltimore you don't want him to play you can't play him so why don't you just say hey here's the incentives sit I mean can't you do that (laughs) yeah but I guess the, the point would be, yeah, maybe you give him one of those incentives because he has almost $2 million in incentives 
I don't think he could reach him. Like if he gets if that's two the difference touchdowns, between Odell Beckham getting hurt or not potentially in a Super Bowl run. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any way. Now the the thing they would say is, well, we can tell him he's not going to play, and we don't have to pay him any, we don't have to pay him Scott, any of those incentives. Scotty, hearing that gets me back to the end of the 2009 Colts season, and Reggie Wayne, who we've had on the show before, has told this story uh, prior. Reggie was in a similar boat to some of the names you just listed. Oh, sure. Final game of the season, yeah, yeah. needed incentives to hit. So they are at Buffalo, okay? Final game of the year. Colts locked into the one seed. Good to go. This is the undefeated season, you know, that, that went awry with a couple games to go. Reggie Wayne in that game finishes with five catches for 21 yards. Oh, Does no. anything scream more of you are trying to get catches <laughs> than a stat line for Reggie Wayne of, Five for 21. Uh, the first pass play of the game, Colts to Reggie Wayne. And then on the second drive, Wayne had the second play, the fourth play. I'm looking this up right now. The sixth play. And later in the drive, he had his final I love catch it. of the game. That was in negative two degree wind chill, four to six inches of snow. You're playing Reggie freaking Wayne. I love it. Geno Smith gets two mil if the, if the Seattle Seahawks make the postseason. So who in the NFC dollars. controls? Bucks and Seahawks and Packers? Uh, d- d- what do you mean by control? Like if they win, they're in. Yes, you know the Packers. The Packers are absolutely in that situation. When you're in, the Rams are locked in. No, it's AFC South. Who's going to get the four seed and who's going to get the seven seed? That's what's on the line for the NFC. Yeah, Cowboys locked in. You know the Cowboys, Cowboys, and Lions. Lions, Eagles, 49ers, yep. and the Rams. Yep, yep. Rams are locked in. They're sitting people. So Sixteen. Stafford's for- not playing. Six teams for two in the NFC yep. and the AFC. Uh, you've got the five teams for three spots. All right, uh, coming up tomorrow, it'll be obviously Football Friday. Again, final injury report of the week for the Colts. Um, it's going to be certainly one from a Houston standpoint that we are going to be looking to see. So uh, have your updates on that, 1075thefan.com, and we'll bring them to you tomorrow. Everybody have a great Thursday. KB and Andy signing off.